Are you ready to meet the moment? Ozzy and our friends at Chevrolet are proud to present Real Talk, Real Change to help foster racial equality in America. And we're inviting you to help. Join me, Carlos Watson, as I talk with key leaders from across the country about racial disparities in America's healthcare system. Look for The Carlos Watson Show and Real Talk, Real Change on YouTube and subscribe. Or download The Carlos Watson Show wherever you get your podcasts. This is Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. I'm Joe. And I'm JP. And how are we, lads? Not too bad. Um, haven't got coronavirus yet. Um, <laughs> so, so all good. I think, I think is, that, is that the bar by which we judge things these days? Yeah, I, I should be worried. Or it becomes I'm... a full blank. <laughs> I was in a, a couple of airports this weekend, JP, and the amount of people I saw with the masks... There was a rumour that I was going to, on the way into Bratislava, I was going to get subject to a, what was it going to be, like a thermometer test and also a a coronavirus test. Neither happened though, so I could be walking around with it and uh, I wouldn't know any better. Oh God. So he didn't do anything when you got into Bratislava then? It was just go through customs and passport control as normal? Quickest I've ever been through passport control, mate. Right through. Just know there was automatic machines straight into the country. Cost the cross the because we flew to Vienna, so we crossed the border from Austria to Bratislava straight in. Absolutely fine. But to be honest, I was saying before, I'm losing my voice a little bit just from the weekend in general. Hopefully, it's uh, it's nothing more sinister. But there are less cases over there than there are in England, so I think I was probably more at risk being in London a couple of weeks. Uh, never mind over mm. there. You're probably more at risk of getting spiked in a Slovakian strip club, mate. Oh, mate, it almost <laughs> happened, you know. Oh yeah. Oh, oh we, hello. We, honestly, I, I don't want to like tear down the uh, that the tourism industry in that part of the world, but I mean, it didn't. I mean, it wasn't really us, but we went into it was like a late late on the Friday because we arrived at midnight, pretty much Friday night. So we went straight out, went to this great uh, dungeon bar, which was like a like a Dungeon and Dragons theme bar, but they had like other board games and stuff. It was like the nerdiest bar you've ever been to, but they had some cracking beer in there. It was like like one euro twenty for a for a half litre. Bearing in mind that I'd been in Liverpool Airport maybe three hours before. I bought a pint of one of the Brewdog beers for £6.80 and I got a round for five people for less than £6.80. I think it worked out about £6. So I was quite happy at that point, to be honest, having the uh, the time of my life with those those cheap beers. It can be dangerous. Uh, I went there about nine years ago and uh, and definitely uh, had far too many of those beers. But yeah, after after we'd been there, we went to a couple of other pubs and... Uh, most of my mates went home and me and my mate Tom decided we were going to stay out and literally the only places open were those dodgy tourist trap bars that like Joe will have seen in, uh, in Krakow where there's people trying to get you into strippers and places like that. And we thought it'd be hilarious to go to this one really dodgy looking bar. And as we walked in, like this group of English lads were like, don't go in, don't go in. We've we've lost our mate Josh and we haven't seen him for three hours. And I was just having flashbacks to your story, Joe. Oh, like, I actually think we'd gotten past the door. I think we were just sitting down to get a drink at the bar because we were just thinking, we'll get a drink at the bar and we'll see what happens and it'll be hilarious when with no intention of going all the way through and literally even trying to leave. Like the strippers were grabbing hold of our arms. The bouncer was being a bit funny. It was like, yeah, you need to avoid those types of... I need to take my own advice and avoid those types of places because um, it can really, really go bad as, uh, as you told us, Joe. 
Yeah, was it an actual strip club or was it just a bar? It was a bit of both, really. It was it was described as a bar as a bar, but then we got there and there were clearly strippers there. But like once yeah. we got we got outside, like the rep was some English guy and he was going, "Oh, don't listen to them." You know, some people have good experience, some people have bad. It's like, mate, I've I've lived long enough for this. Like at that point, we I think we tried to go to like he was trying to recommend other bars for us to go to, and we went to like one other. And even in there as well, we walked in and they, they tried to... Bearing in mind, I said before, we paid about a euro for a beer. We went to the bar and the barman put two beers on the bar and went 20 euros each, please, lads. And tried to charge us that. And we went to walk out and he was like, oh, wait, 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 how much have you got? And my mate went in his pocket and had like six euros worth of change and he took it. He was like, okay, that's fine. I was like, fuck me. Like, those kind of tourist traps are uh, can be everywhere, but I don't know, it's a, it's a very special part of the world where, uh, where you can get away with that stuff. Jesus, sounds like he's going to go full blown hostile at various <laughs> points by the, by, the, by the sounds of both of your stories from this. You oh. completely put me off the idea of ever. You don't fancy it to Eastern Europe? Well, not a lad's kind of thing, anyway, certainly. Yeah, it's it's weird because, like, we go, and, like, it's me and my mates, and there's, like, there are, there's basically four or five of us English lads, you know, quote unquote, and I think they see you coming a mile off and think you're gonna be a certain mm. thing. Like we're all too old for that stuff. We're we're quite we're happy to go find like the the craft beer bars or go or just go and have a nice drink and have plenty of goulash and enjoy the local food and scenery and stuff. But at the same time you kind of understand the attitude they have the English people. Like we went to this bar, it was like a KGB theme bar. And we were in there, like some somebody <laughs> I know who, who lives out oh I think he's currently living out there recommended it. And we, we walked in and there was just this group of like 20 idiot English lads. They were all like 18 at the oldest. And they were just like running riot in the place. One of them punched, there was like a uh, like a big picture of Stalin on the wall. One of them punched that down and smashed it through a glass at the bar. And then they all ran out like they were these big oh, while English you were in legends. There. Yeah, all while we were in there. Like we were just like, fuck. And then they, they did the run out. And then we mate Alan went to the bar and the bar, bar lady was like, do you know them? You're English. And we're like, no, we don't know them. Got no oh, idea who they that. are. And like, in the end, she saved us. And then this is kind of my thing when I go to this part of the world, like trying to change hearts and minds. Because like when she came over and brought our beers, we were like, oh, we're really sorry about them. And at first she was dead frosty and she was like, oh, I thought, I thought you said you didn't know them. And we're like, no, we don't know them. We're just saying like, not all English people are like that. Like just, and then she kind of like softened up and having a bit of a laugh with us. But you kind of understand it, don't you? Like that, why, why people in Europe might have that attitude towards English people? Because fuck me, some of the people you see out there, animals, uh, obviously not our, our lovely friends. Yeah, no, I, when I was in Amsterdam for a stag do, quite a while back now probably would have been a couple of years like jesus it is like looking into the abyss and the whole mm. area has like been inside the mind of a daily sport reader anyway <laughs> so but just seeing it is it's just lads 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 coke 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 and just yeah and 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 just going around the place and people looking for fights yeah. There was a lot of like, that's what I can remember from that. And it's just like, this is not my cup of fucking tea. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, why, why would we respect our European neighbours? Like, <laughs> well, you know, that's it, isn't it? We're not the enemy. You know, we're on our little island. We're superior to them. We're <laughs> the best country in They need like, us, Europe. don't they, for, yeah. tu- for tourism. I suspect that there'll be a few places quite glad that there wouldn't be as many Brits really? going the tourists. Sure. I was thinking that just coming just coming through the the, the queue of passport control. Like I said, it took me about five minutes to get through. And I was thinking, you know, when the gammon get away, won't be like this. We'll have our own special queue for the with the other non-Europeans. 
Like all, yeah. all, the, all the Brits going abroad for their yearly trip to Malaga or Benidorm or apparently Bratislava, as we found this time out. It's got to be more difficult than they imagined. But no, I don't want to do, do the place down too much, though. I, went, I genuinely like, had the, we went to some great mm. places, had some great food. We made friends, you know, some of the locals that might You love f- a goulash. You, oh, you, you post lo- quite a bit about goulash. <laughs> it's a great meal, JP. You ever had it? You ever cooked it, in fact? I've, I haven't cooked it, had it before. Not for, a, not for a good while. It was nice when not, I had not it. Not for me. No, no, not for you. No, Beef I shoot. don't like that. I don't like that sort of hot, hearty, gravy-based, hearty food. food. Yeah, yeah, not for me. Not yeah. for me. I reckon you cook a good one, though, JP. I could believe that. I think you'd do that. I'd, I'd give it. I'd give it a go if we're going to move <laughs> past the roast test. Would that be a tricky job trying to convince you to eat a, eat a goulash? No. <laughs> I, I don't bother, mate. Don't bother. No, uh, you've had the roast. You know, uh, quit while I'm ahead. Well, we'll have a roast. You can do a, a, another piece of meat at some point. Why not? <laughs> okay. Roast chicken. There we go. All right. Uh, I'll, 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 oh, I'm, I'll, I'll give that a go. Well, you've been back on the... And Benno, you need one as well. So. Oh, I'd take one. I've, I've never had one, JP. I've never had the pleasure. I would love to try one of your roasts. Maybe Epic Encounter Weekend. Oh, that could work. That could work. You've been back here after the Epic Encounter, eh, Benno? I'm thinking about it. Thinking about it's been it. Oh, yeah. yeah, just doing it on air. <laughs> yeah, I think so. First week, week, weekend, in it? Why not? Oh, just gonna want to listen to that. <laughs> JP cooks a roast. Yeah, the broccoli's just going in. Yeah, just basted the carrots. Bit of honey on them. You know you want that honey glazed carrot. Well, obviously, you described bro- regular broccoli as last week. Old school. Old school. Yeah. I mean, that's just school, mate. It really is, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I think it was you commenting on tender stem broccoli. Uh, yeah, snobby shit my girlfriend likes. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't make that much difference if you ask me, but hey, apparently it does. But yeah, Ben, that's what I'll have to do. I'll have to get you a roast in next. That's that's the next one. I'll tell you what, I, mean, I could do with some vegetables after this weekend. Like, I've done the vegan thing for two months, so like a weekend of that many, much hearty stew, I could do with mm-hmm. like, yeah, some on top of my uh, my vegetable count up. Um, I do want to say, though, before we do move on, just, just you know, maybe I'm not selling to you, but Joe, I went to maybe the best bar I've ever been to. It's called Steinplatz. It was like one of those, like a public toilet turned into a bar, you know, where like there's one in Manchester I, where they've taken it over and it's like a little basement. Yeah, thing. JP have been there. Oh, have you been there? Yeah, where it's like in there you can barely move, can you? It's like a little bar and there's not much space. But this one was like, it was huge down there. They had all this cool stuff on the walls. They saw one of the best pale ales I've ever had. It was a Dulac uh, Centennial. It was Centennial. It was called. You ever see it? I'd recommend it. It's like a ginger flavor to it. Really nice. Loads of places like that, too, to go with the bad. Uh, that That's more of a Joe's Beer Corner uh, discussion yeah. than uh, the bad You know, stuff. today at work, actually, JP wasn't involved in this discussion. But I don't know how it came out. There was lots of food-based conversation coming up at recently. Like, mm. JP talking to my students yesterday about dark chocolate bounties and all sorts. <laughs> and, Why, what? Why did that come yeah, up? Yeah, that was a subject yesterday that we were chatting about yeah. on it. They had a box of celebrations, and then I wanted the bounty, and I was like, JP likes a bounty. So they saved the bounties <laughs> for him. Um, and then, yeah, we got into a whole conversation about Snickers, Snickers Cruncher. I mentioned it was the sponsor of WrestleMania 17, which everyone seemed to find really weird that I knew that. I was like, I remember Paul Heyman shouting out, Snickers Cruncher, crunch this, before Rock and Austin came out. Was, you know, good memory of the Sky Sports <laughs> broadcast of it. And then today, somehow, something about, oh, that was it. So, some, someone who got a bit of money, one of the people I teach, talking about Michelin-star restaurants. I was like, ah, snobby bollocks. I don't want white on my plate. 
Like I'd go for a Michelin star me and I'd be in the McDonald's drive-thru on the way home getting a couple of double cheeseburgers. <laughs> That's how I feel about that. And then somehow they started going, ah, oh, but you're, so they have a teacher, oh, you're a beer snob. I was like, I'd say I'm a snob. I'd say that I slummed it for long enough with shite. Mm. Like I've done my time on Foster's, Carlsberg, all the other shite. And I'm not settling Hoffmeister. for that anymore. Mm. Now, that wasn't really around when I was a teenager. Yeah. It was more my dad having Hoffmeister as a kid. Like, he'd yeah. have sips of the You'd follow the bear. You'd follow the bear into the fucking toilets, beat him up for making him drink that piss. With the pork pie hat. <laughs> yeah, vile. Doing do an odd vile. job with the pork pie hat, maybe, on him. Yeah. yeah. But was I saying, yeah, they, were like, I was, they asked what my favourite beer was. And I was like, oh, probably a Paul Anna Weiss. And they started laughing as if that was some like snobby choice of beer. I'm like, <laughs> Go to Germany, it's fucking everywhere. Yeah. It's like 2.50 a pint. <laughs> Apparently that was hilarious as well. I was like, <laughs> it is. Like, it's not, it's not like some premium beer there because yeah. we're all so ignorant to European culture mm. and pubs in the UK have to be, well, here's Carling, Carlsberg, Stella, Coors Light. Oh, and why don't we put this Australia in and a Peroni? It's just like premium fancy <laughs> option, but it's all just lager. Yeah. Like, why don't we follow the German example of a dark beer, a lager, and a vice beer? Or yep. the French example where they have like more or less the same, but they have like a blonde beer on as well. They've got a slightly lighter beer on usually as well. It's mm. like, why don't we follow that example? And I got laughed at. I'm like, <laughs> there's variety. There is nothing wrong with variety. We as beer drinkers have become ignorant and just think lager is the norm as a result of the discourse that pubs present to us in this country. But apparently I was, I'm was i a beer snob, so whatever. <laughs> just ask them, Joe, when was the last time you went to a European country that wasn't just like a Brits abroad hub that sold you a pint of Carling? And I think the answer is you never will because that shit doesn't export. You know why? Because it's garbage. Like, that's I'll tell you what, I've got a picture on my phone of when I was in uh, Malaga last year there and I go. walked past an English pub and it says, uh, we serve Carling. Oh, I and hate then, that. And then in uh, like uh, speech box says, the real deal. Oh. And then I've got a picture of Weather Spains as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've seen that before, I you? have seen that yeah. before. But it's, it's just the one where you didn't get any Wi-Fi at your aunt's place. Yeah, but I had to watch G1 on the... Using my data while I was over there. Yeah, yeah that's, that's that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> Doing a JP, <laughs> and I didn't drink a yeah. pint of Carlin. <laughs> near that shine. Not near the real deal. No, I did find a place to serve La Chouffe, my favourite Belgian. Oh, that's great. Nice little picture of the no. Oh, I love it, mate. Got, I had one of the key rings. It broke. It was gutted. That and my Apu key ring broke at the same time. <laughs> oh, that's devastating. And I got told off having the Apu key ring as well by someone. It's like, he's a great character. <laughs> Who needs to that? <laughs> we do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You've never given us your opinion on beer, JP. You're not really a beer snob like you. Well, no, not really. And it's partly because I end up having a load with Guinness, um, surprisingly I knew it was coming. enough. I knew it was coming. That's a good point of Guinness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, that, and that was just the thing for years. But if you stuff, really through Guinness you two, mm. I'm like kind of opened up more to it but there isn't as many believe it or not you think oxford oh, there'll be a load of craft brewery places really not that many around none near me mm. like there's no good pubs near Business me prices in oxford yeah that's the problem is. yeah it's fucking expensive here so you have to go quite away like the one of the better places the tap social room is like right on the other side of oxford it's not necessarily easy to get to or get back from 
and they and they do it. But there's not like many craft like craft breweries in the centre of Oxford. I think there was one, one and it closed down. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So there's there isn't that. So I'm not as conditioned to it. But then that pub, I want to say, it's the Ship and Mitre. Is that the name of it? The one oh, in Liverpool. That's the one. Yeah, that's the one. Like through you two and through those trips to Germany. They were the things that kind of like, ah, oh, this is like, I kind of became a lot more open-minded to having them in recent years. Hmm. And so, yeah, I've kind of enjoyed it, but it's, yeah, I'm boring. It's a Guinness thing. It's a stereotype. What can I say? That Paul Anavice argument as well. When we went to Berlin on that college trip a couple of years ago, hmm. it was on tap in the hostel we stayed in at €2.80 a pint. Oh, yeah. I've had that a conversation. Choice. It was on tap in a fucking hostel. I've been in the ship of Mitre. I had like, a, we were sat with like these beer snob lads, and I had like a, a Warsteiner, a Jaeger, and a Bitburger. And they were kind of turning the nose up. And we go, that's just, a, that's their calling. That's just their shite. And I was like, well, it's better than our shite at the end of the day. And that's why it's good. Uh, yeah. yeah. I don't even, they're definitely not beer snob choices. Definitely not. Uh, it's just Life, a, life's, too, life's too short to drink piss. There you go. <laughs> More JP have, life mottos. I have my years doing it. I had yeah. many years doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like we've all Nick put in the time. to this as well, so we'll hear this. <laughs> <laughs> we've all put in the time. I was going to ask as well uh, this week, JP. Did you uh, did you get round to watching that Qatar show? Or no, <sighs> no, I didn't. And that would have been, and it would have been a good week because really, there's not been necessarily too much on. But no. no, I didn't get round to it. Funny enough, I got reminded when I saw the picture. I was like, oh shite, I meant to have watched that. Um, <laughs> I will watch it. Okay. I say by watching it, I could end up skipping through quite large amounts of it. I wouldn't be holding your breath for a kind of match-by-match, moment-by-moment review. <laughs> but I think I will skip through it because it looks like it could possibly be a disgrace of a show. But I'm, I'm quite glad to see Jody and Johnny getting a good payday. You go. Being out there with the great Carly, which <laughs> isn't something I thought would be a thing. But there you go. Give us the report what? when you watch it, JP. We'll have, we'll have to oh, have, I will do. find out where you watched it, how you watched it. That's the important stuff I wanted. Yeah, it, it is, isn't it? It's, it's, it, I, I mean, Bischoff looked a bit pissed up. That's from the moments I've seen of it of him out there. He looks like <laughs> he was just a fucking lash, which seems he seems to do that sort of stuff quite a bit. I think so. Laurie's left him. The swinging was too much. Of <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Not, not a clue. I just assumed he, he just thought you know what goes in guitar stays in guitar probably just to be on one for the weekend rather like those lads in bratislava the tie yeah. little loop on that but like so i will i will try and watch it for the next show Fair enough. but you i'm know, not i'm you, not going to promise to it. To, mate. there are better things in life to do than watch i'm show. i am intrigued what are the better things I, in life than say, to hear jp talk about it that's what i've got to ask yeah that's i mean i i'm willing i'll probably give at most half an hour to it and i'm willing to sacrifice half an hour to sit there just with a state of shock <laughs> that's a good question Watch actually qatari's version of legends of wrestling <laughs> did, did either you spend more or less than half an hour watching the uh wwe saudi show last week i, I would say i'm under the half an hour uh, i did see a couple I of the uh, squashes there. Watch, i wasn't gonna watch any of it and against my will i was forced <laughs> to watch it when i arrived at oh. jp <laughs> Four minutes. And he put watched... it on as I walked through the door, and I was like, oh, do "You have, we have to." Yeah, like, oh, yeah. I, I had no intention. The eldest boy watched it as well. He was killed, but it was four minutes, is what you saw, and even then, it felt like a long four minutes. Mm. So Impressive it was the, four minutes. it was yeah, the minute of the um, 
the Lesnar ricochet match and the Fiend Goldberg. <laughs> Did you at least take joy in watching Goldberg smash through the Fiend, Joe? Because I quite enjoyed that. No. Oh, God. <laughs> no. Like, mate, it's 2020. And, you know, I've been a Goldberg fan over the years. I'm not a Fiend fan. But what a awful state of affairs that to get mm. a main event or some appeal, you've got to bring Goldberg back and put your title on him. Like, to me, it just sums up the entire problem. Like, in this, in the last week, we've had two pay-per-views mm. from two different groups and a great episode of Dynamite that perfectly encapsulates the difference between the two groups and the positives of one group and the positive thinking of one group and the absolutely horrible sort of negative, like, regressive culture that exists in WWE that they just can't get past. And when I saw Goldberg beat Bray Wyatt, I just thought, <laughs> like, cool. Like, yeah. who cares? Who who seriously that, cares? That's kind of where I'm yep. at, though, because I, I think I've got the opposite take to you. But I'm not, agree- I'm not disagreeing with you either. Because to me, like, it's obviously the fault of how bad their system is and how bad yep. they are. But because the system's so bad, like, Goldberg genuinely is one of the best best throws there he's one of the best promos there oh, yeah. and he has the best matches purely because their system's shite that shouldn't be the case best Re- matches you thought that was good i thought it was not that one not <laughs> that one in fairness but in general i enjoy his the quick ones minute for minute i enjoy goldberg's matches more than anyone in <laughs> wwe right now i'm not saying it's better than say I ricochet see, i can see how you get that or Seth Rollins, or there's a whole load of wrestlers that should be having like great matches, but because the system shows shite, they don't. And Goldberg actually probably is, again, aside from Brock, probably the biggest draw, probably one of the better promos. And just for me personally, as the most entertainment matches, even when the shite like this, and he can't get the fiend up for a, a jackhammer, instead does like a something between a suplex and a brainbuster. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't good, and he was blowing up as well, wasn't he? <laughs> three minutes. I mean, he's fifty-three for God's sakes, but like he's. Yeah. It, it's. It is. I found myself. I. I kind of laugh at it because it's such a damning yeah. indictment. It's about whether you're changing. You're emotionally attached them. to it, and if you're not, yeah. you laugh at it, don't you? I think that's the difference, isn't it? it, it well, you're. I'm laughing because they're changing their main event of their biggest show of the year, which they want to obviously sell to like an ESPN plus or whatever. And they're so creatively bankrupt. They kind of had to admit failure for the entire fiend thing as well. Regardless of what anyone says, it wasn't a ratings mover. It didn't make oh, any shit. effect on any of the businesses. Well, it was fucking shit. And like, they had to get rid of that. Mm. Had to get rid of him out of the top draw. Now there was a time when, mania was very much all right it was being planned around the time that the previous mania was kind of going into effect they knew where they were going and it's crazy because we're talking little over a month and they're changing stuff around they're not doing an elimination chamber for the men's match or something like two women's matches or something two women's elimination chambers i think and a tag team one as well that's three elimination chambers on a show yeah it's like what an apps, and and I think that's the thing. I just find myself laughing as a reaction to this because mm. I go like, you cannot say with any degree of credibility that this is a good state of affairs that they're in. Oh no, it's it's terrible. And if you just go, oh well, it makes money and everything else. I suppose then in that case, Mrs. Brown's Boys is one of the best programs <laughs> on television at the moment because it gets high ratings. Is that? Is that the rationale we don't judge things? <laughs> not the actual fucking content of it. Well, that's the thing. So, I, 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 for me, like, 
I can see an argument with Goldberg, but like where I think where I save my argument for, where I say save my anger for, is probably more Ricochet getting squashed by Brock or AJ. The oh. introduction to a feud with Undertaker him just getting squashed in a few seconds, like that says the more to me as much to me, or maybe even more to me about the fucking state of that company than ever. I asked my son watching it, I was like, "How would you put this match together for this?" And it was like a general level of agreement of like you get five to ten minutes ricochet flying about lots sort of stick uh, you know a lot of um lesnar chasing him down then him selling for lesnar for a bit bit of a comeback f5 wins you could do it less than 10 minutes it was what was the point why put it on like i don't know what it like ultimately why mm. do you know what ricochet is to me at the moment cool. he's the troy parrot of wwe <laughs> oh, wow <laughs> Like, Mourinho clearly doesn't want to give Troy Parrott a proper go. Throws him on for, what, three minutes of injury time the other yep. day? He clearly is going to, at some point, I reckon, either start him or he's yeah. going to give him, like, a half or like half an hour. And he's not going to play with anyone off him. He's going to play, like, he's going to, I think his midfield is going to be quite deep. Yeah. And he's going to play a slightly different formation that he knows is going to suit Parrott. He's going to throw him out there and let him suffer. Yeah. And have a shit time. And then he can say, well, look, I told you he wasn't ready. Because it's classic Mourinho. He did it with De Bruyne at Chelsea. He did it with Lukaku at Chelsea. He tried to do it with Luke Shaw. I know he's a slightly different player. He's a fullback with the rest of it. Uh, but it's just classic Mourinho. Mm. And Mourinho, to me now, we were just this yesterday, weren't we, JP? Mm. Mourinho is the Vince of football. Or he's, getting, <laughs> he's going that way in many ways. Like, just uh, sort of falling back on old laurels. As the same kind of attack lines... Same kind of sort of sayings and phrases that he likes to pop out occasionally. Same forms of defence. Loves the camera as well, though. Yeah. And everyone kind of eats up everything he says and thinks he's some fucking genius when ultimately their time has passed. Mm. Like Chelsea, Chelsea's 2005 league winning season mm-hmm. and Porto's 2004 uh, European Championship season or Champions League winning season was Vince's rock and wrestling, basically. Mm. Let's be honest here. <laughs> He's done now. He's done. Yeah. Perfect analogy. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Vince is just trying to survive the now, isn't he? He's going to his, his old favourite. Yeah. Ah, let's put Undertaker over. Ah, Goldberg's... It's we- Goldberg's the weird one, isn't it? Because, like, 20 years ago, he was WCW, therefore... Like, well, we can't push him. We can't push him to his strengths. But somehow, 20 years later, we've got to a state of affairs where Vince, because he's big, sees Goldberg as a genuine star and goes with him. And, like, even for me, as much as I might ironically enjoy Goldberg, like, even I can see, like, you can do that now. But, like you like you say, with, with Mourinho, you're going to you're gonna regret the fact that, you know, in five years, what's the future look like? What's what's Troy Parra doing in five years? You know what I mean? It's like going to the old favorites yeah. and going to the old playbook. Like you can't do that for twenty years in a row. It, it, it's gonna it's gonna fall apart soon enough. Yeah, it's made me very almost depressed for Irish football simultaneously as well as <laughs> WWE wrestling. Carol get a move somewhere. Though, will, I yeah. think it'll be alright. Yeah. I think you know, qu- cream always rises to the top. Uh, oh, grab like that brass ring, Joe. Say it again. Grab that brass ring. Well, we were just watching the third episode of Ruthless Aggression where um, the voiceover guy said, Ruthless Aggression was taken up in 2003. Was it? <laughs> like, was it? <laughs> and he was talking about all the new stars. I was thinking, well, if there were all these new stars, and there were more than there are now, hmm. why aren't you using that as an example and going, well, we're not making anyone here. What's the problem here? How do we sort this out here? 
Yeah. yeah. Anyone, anyone stood up to Vince yet? Well, certainly been to him. No. Anyone grown a pair of fucking balls? No. <laughs> Happy to no? have a job. And I know I sound like some manly alpha saying that, <laughs> and it's easier said than done to go and confront your boss, but nope. get out of there. Well, you'd just be fighting your corner of just going, I'm not, I'm doing that. That's a stupid move. And telling Bray Wyatt him will do passive aggressive tweets on Twitter. But does he at any point say I'm not I'm not getting I'm not losing to Goldberg in thirty seconds? I reckon I reckon Vince would respect that. I reckon you might get something his, out of that. What are his passive aggressive tweets? He said so he said something about um relying on old stars or something like that. I don't know. Have you seen them, JP? I think I have, because he made some other comment about Matt Hardy. Why the fuck is Bright the Fee to be a monster from like another world got Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good yeah. question. You can't yeah, that's a fair I point. I don't even know he was on there. <laughs> This is the problem with it. It's the problem with the social media. It does call it. It doesn't. And this is the problem when you create characters like this. So do you reckon he was like when during the wire, Danny? Was he going back to his swamp and just getting on Twitter? Was he <laughs> yeah. doing some trolling from the swamp? Yeah. <laughs> but this is, and we're going to talk about like in terms of AEW and, and and the way that you know characterization is very much based around those people. But if you create characters like this that are sort of so fantastical that it's there's no resemblance to the real world and then you have him out there as buddy what's his first name something rotunda isn't it um, mike rotundo no well, that's the dad isn't oh, it? wyndham rotunda wyndham Rotunda, yeah. that classic yeah. first name wyndham yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's a shame isn't it yeah he's not, you know he's not in the same league as his uncle he fucking is not make that point big bass i mean look at that you know honestly do you know when i think bray white peaked Husky yeah. Harris. Yeah, well, that was his best gimmick. I thought a pair of cowboy boots, bit of a belly on him. Oh, that's good. I could be a bit of an ass kicker. Look, what the fuck happened. <laughs> <laughs> I think he peaks the first time he does the entrance in whichever character he's got, and then the bell no. rings. And then the no, no. mate, fucking entrances. <laughs> oh, the mania oh, Bray Wyatt one was good. Oh, All the live band. Look at the entrance. Oh, it's a fucking entrance. <laughs> like I don't watch wrestling. To watch an entrance. I watch it to watch wrestling it's part of it though not always i I often run through entrances well again we're going to talk about entrances for like the AEW show Mm. and there was some stuff one good one horrific abomination (laughs) of a fucking musical an entrance is going to get someone over or keep them over no i think it i think it it shows how to get people over well, it's just about creating a kind of mood. It's, I mean, boxing would do this. And Bellator oh, yeah, no, would do I agree. And those kind of things within those kind of big shows. But long term, you if you're a wrestler and you're doing the same entrance week in, week out, and you're Bray Wyatt. You kill it. Like, yeah. you can't go and back it up in the ring. You're going to lose it eventually. Look what yeah. happened to Bray Wyatt, the original yeah. gimmick. It can get someone over. It's just not keep, not going to keep them over. Like, how many wrestlers do you go, ah, oh, he's just an entrance? Like, that happens, doesn't it? Like, you get, you get, especially in the WWE system, and you've got to follow oh. up. And Bray Wyatt has never followed it up. I think that's the issue there with him. Yeah. And there's been plenty of time, and it's it's not like there isn't people there to work with. Mm. But it's just, it, it, it all comes back to the training. It comes back to the aging. It comes back to how they're, they're expected to work the matches. They do it. It's, it's almost just going out of your way. It's like, how can we do this in the dullest way possible? Well, here we go. Um, you know, Jamie Noble sorted that out for you. Great. <laughs> yeah, I'd like. To, I wish that Meltzer got more info on who agented matches. That's something I'd be mm. really interested to see each week. Mm. He occasionally mentions it, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, that, but it's not yeah. all the time. Yeah, but that's something I'd be really intrigued. They should to be see. held to scrutiny as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When it's good, when it's bad, same thing. Exactly. He'll do it for like the Rumble or something. Be like, oh, so and so laid this out, but you don't get it enough, do you? For like Belter exactly. matches. 
exactly. I wrestled in the 80s and 90s isn't a good fucking excuse to be exempt <laughs> criticism in any way, shape, or form. It did. It be a tenth, for a while. It tends to be. I was in WCW. Like how many other? It was like Jamie Noble, Billy Kidman, Arn Anderson. They were like the agents they were using. Like it was. I always found that really Finley. weird. Yeah, Finley. I always yeah. found that so weird. Considering Vince's aversion to WCW in general, that they were the lads putting these things out. Yeah, really. Yeah, it's odd. Like I mean, it's like when Johnny Ace came from WCW. Mm, same thing. Yeah. And then- and then he kind of walked into like that top management. That's like the likes of Adam Pearce and um, that's very Steve odd. Carino. Oh, yeah. and Sarah Del Rey. Sarah yeah. Del Rey's been very good at what she does, obviously. Oh yeah. So, mm. Yeah, I was I was found that odd that these guys were never given a proper chance. It's like yeah. Sarah Del Rey, I'd never understood that. Like she wasn't attractive enough, apparently. I think she's yeah, quite a good looking personally. Yeah. Like And she's an excellent wrestler. What the fuck? Yeah. Mm. Someone they could have really got some value out of as well in terms of in the ring as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, odd. Um, we mentioned AEW then. Before we get to the pay per view, just a couple mm-hmm. of other minor news notes. I've got to mention the fact that we spent what fifteen minutes on New Japan Cup last week, uh, and now it's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> the entire is it worth previewing anything at the minute? It's not honestly anything can happen. I'm going to the BXW on 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 Friday. I think we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> it depends what happens there. Yeah, we got a big preview for that planned on uh, on British Wrestling Experience this week. But yeah, that might be snake bitten as well. But yeah, New Japan like that's a tough one, isn't it? Like they've literally lost at least half a month it could go on further there's talk of the olympics now getting postponed to the winter like imagine yeah. that up imagine they move the entire g1 and then they probably have to cancel the g1 because most of the, like the reason they moved the g1 was the big stadiums are going to be taken up so fuck knows what happens for new japan this year i'm sure gado can pull it back together and then people have been saying well if they can run the second half of march they can kind of squash new japan cup into a couple of shows or you could cut the field down or you could just go straight to you know whoever was gonna win gets the title shot regardless but yeah it's really really to put a fly in the ointment and you know, wasted the 15 minutes of our time last week Exactly, but this is like the biggest case of sort of act of God stuff mm. changing it. Like that's the thing, and obviously, given what's happened in Japan with the cruise ship and everything else, was it the Diamond Princess? I think it was. That what was... happened? I've, I've, I'll be honest. I've, I'm like really ignorant to oh. coronavirus news. Like I'm the first couple of weeks yeah. of it, I sort of watched it a bit, and now I'm just so like bored mm. of it. And I know that sounds yeah. incredibly ignorant, but I'm just kind of like calm the fuck down. Yeah. I don't know. Is this, is this really bad on my part? It's, it's, there are basic kind of things you can stick to, but there's also a lot of bullshit going on that people, what people are talking about online. This is where social media is yeah. kind of like at worst, arguably, in these kind of scenarios because it creates a sense of panic. Whereas, you know, it's the CDC that you would listen to. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's the Centre for Disease Control, I'm going to kind of take them seriously about it. And there's some very sort of basic general advice for everyone to stick to and i think that's the main thing we we were talking about it before we were recording oh, some of the hysteria but right here but there like, is but in this case there are a lot of there are a lot of cases around japan and it's partly to do with it i think there was a cruise ship that had landed there right. was people from all around the world there as well yeah and they're not taking any risks yeah. and they're kind of going straight to yeah, it i, I mean in china they just told people their big recording boxes outside. I saw this in John Oliver where they were just saying to people, don't get, you can't go outside. That's mm-hmm. it. You just had deserted cities and people indoors. Basically, like he's showing clips. He was showing clips of people like playing snooker using cherry tomatoes and an orange as a white ball. And so just have sheer boredom. Mm-hmm. Well, I 
God knows how they're getting around that. Where we're doing, I don't know. Deliveroo over there still. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, unless the Deliveroo driver's got a fucking hazmat suit on. Um, I'm not quite sure. But yeah, back in terms of New Japan, I kind of get why they've had to do it. There was something I was I, I was, I was listening to um, I Mike Sempervivi. I just add one more thing. Mm. I found a bowler a more interesting uh, story because at least you got all that wild shit of people <laughs> in like, you remember Glenn Beck in that suit, like the yes. radiation suit and shit flung at him on Fox News. Yes. At least you got wild shit like that. This coronavirus <laughs> is boring. AIDS was more interesting as well. If you're going to rank your diseases, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> I am ranking diseases. Birth flu, this is mm, the SARS, mm, mm. This is the worst one. Like this is this is the one yeah. I just want to bury. If you're old school, the Spanish influenza of uh, 1918. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you okay. go. The plague. Yeah, yeah the, black, the, the black plague, mate. Honestly, you could. Uh, but this this should this will be a Patreon. Very much the Gotch Schmidt of uh, worldwide pandemics. The plague. Wasn't it? <laughs> sure. What the granddaddy of them all. Well, like I say, it does bring the world together. Like it's like, like it's not a yeah. positive, but there's, it's like it's literally a story everywhere. Like we got on a bus in Vienna, and we make coughed as he was getting on the bus, and the driver was like, ha, 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 "Coronavirus," and it was just like, "Ah, there you go. That's nice. We can all share a laugh. We, all, we we're all part of the same ongoing story, as boring as it is." Yeah, oh, the paranoia I've seen about like cleaning desks in workplaces and stuff. So, I'll come the fuck on. Like, you're not going to get coronavirus from someone's desk. Sorry. Yeah. I, I'm incredibly ignorant. <laughs> I, I think you can, to be fair. Wearing a mask while listening. I think, I think, yeah. I think that's the worst no, thing think, that could happen. I think the, the, I've done my public service notice at the start of this. I would also advise everyone, if you haven't seen it, I watch it all the bloody time as you two know, watch last week tonight with John Oliver because he spends, like, the entire show talking about it and sort of debunking myths and stuff. And it's, it's genuinely good and quite interesting. And it's got some good links and the rest of it in terms of new japan in terms of how it's affected the japanese wrestling scene mm. there's all these empty these kind of no fan shows that are going on and the rest of it because some companies can afford to do it they've got enough subscribers for the vod in order to kind of help them get through but then there's some companies that like they can't afford to cancel this is like they live hand to mouth it's a week you know it's a kind of show to show existence so being able to kind of cancel shows, that becomes tricky in and of itself. It's an impossible situation to comment on because fuck knows what it's going to be like towards the end of March. Mm. God knows. Could be could be sort of business as normal or, you know, like I say, we could all be doing this sort of trapped in our own houses, recorded using Skype to each other. But th- there you go. Well, got, impossible to tell. We'd have got Takahashi Naito today if it wasn't for coronavirus. Oh, was that today, was it? Yeah. Well, yeah, it was scheduled that. for today. Oh, fuck's sakes. Oh, Great shame. Would have been, I think it was Osprey Shingo tomorrow, was it, as well? Ah, if I remember rightly. The biggest, the schedule. biggest tragedy coronavirus has brought us this. Unbelievable. Exactly. Now it's a step too far. Now I'm taking it seriously. <laughs> speak, but speak, saying that, if they did condense that New Japan Cup into what two, three shows, I'd love that. Mental fucking shows you'd ever see. It'd be like those old it'd G1s when there'd be like ten matches and it'd be a mix of blocks. Like remember oh, those yeah. ones where it's fucking nuts? It'd be like that basically. You'd be knackered by the end, wouldn't you? You'd just be like, oh god, it's just like sort of. Just watch it in bits. Yeah. But for this as well, they'll mix and match with some of the times. Not a lot, a lot of these matches aren't going to go particularly long periods of time. There's a lot mm. of sort of, you know, matches you're going to do with six to eight minutes. So if it happens, but mm. yeah. Um, well, I, I was yeah. going to say there, JP, as, as a segue, speaking of viruses, mm. 
have you seen this news of uh, is it Yonaki, John Akiyama going to where uh, NXT is a potential trainer, uh, like a guest yes. trainer spot, and rumors of all Japan uh, having meetings with WWE? You fucking knew they'd get in somehow. Uh, I didn't expect it to yeah. be uh, to be your favorite. Can, talking about last week, yeah, I think you you try. This is like your favorite promotion on Grapple now, JP. You were trying to uh, tell us all about all Japan last week when we uh, we basically turned it into half an hour of EastEnders chat. Yeah, there is. I I, I feel like I sort of plow that lonely furrow for it. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's something that I found that's worth sticking with. It's been worth investing in for the last couple of years. Um, this is an interesting one because I've, I've I've kind of seen and heard some some interesting kind of things about it. Because one of the things that isn't going to happen mm. is the you know you're not going to get classical Japan on the network if anything happened with this because that's owned by Nippon TV. So it'd be the same thing of like if they bought New Japan, hypothetically speaking, because that footage is owned by TVSA. Um, so I don't think that would be the case. It would only be recent footage for it as well. It's. I find it hard to believe. I mean, I think the overall, they've seen what's happened over here in the UK and how that's going to affect the overall kind of Japanese wrestling ecosystem is like quite rightly, they'd be worried about it. Now, what I thought was actually going to happen is when Wrestle 1 has has gone down, as uh, basically it's it's doing its last show, I think, in April and that's it. And I kind of thought, Wrestle One seemed like a more natural thing for them to buy because a they've got Muto there they can put Muto in a Hall of Fame and they've got the kind of basis of a very basic roster and then they might throw other people into the mix and so I thought Wrestle One was going to be someone who they would go for. Um, then you hear the All Japan news and you kind of go, uh, okay, this is going to be a worry. Because anytime WWE is partnered with anyone in Japan, you had those things like, you remember the SWS show in like 92? Was it Tenru's promotion? Yeah, yeah. That kind of stuff. That never went anywhere. There, there was times they had... Was so it talking like Koji Katao and the Royal Rumble and stuff like that yeah, around that yeah, point yeah. in time. I was talking like 98 are doing um, an All Japan versus WWE match with Shawn Michaels and Kabashi. I've yeah. never heard before. Oh, I so, think I read that in like a, a classic Observer or The Torch or something. Yeah. Like yeah. That. But obviously you had like the All Japan, New Japan, WWE show in, was it 89 or 90? The one that had like Brett Misawa. Yeah. Um, was it the one where Hanson and Hogan's in the main event? Yes. Obviously Hogan, Gordy, yeah, all that yeah. stuff. And you've got, I mean, the, the thing is with this is that they're not, I mean, if it was that kind of an All Japan and it isn't that kind of an All Japan and as great as I think Ken Omiyahara is and as great as I think the work they've done building people up, You've there's often been stories about in terms of business. Business hasn't grown as much. They started off the year very well up to this point, like selling out Kurokan a few times. You had those good shows around the the day before the the first uh, the January fourth show at the Dome. So some really interesting stuff about it there. And they've got some very good young wrestlers. And it's a promotion that promotes likes Hoss matches and likes big lads. So it's kind of perfect for WWE. I but WWE don't employ it like a big Hoss style. Well, really. that's it. Like, look, at, I suppose they've had like the Keith Lee Dijak stuff mm-hmm. recently, but that's almost like an extension of that because they're doing like these mad acrobatic spots as well, big guys, isn't it? The, mm. the, the thing about this is ultimately, why are they doing this? It's it's not to kind of build up their own roster. I don't think that's of any interest. It's about hurting New Japan. Yeah. That's what this is. This is about hurting New Japan. 
they've got their claws into the scene here to hurt any of the other smaller companies and the companies that work with a new Japan or anything else like that. They've obviously got um, in the States, they've been running their TV head to head with AEW. No doubt they'll be running their own war games match whenever the blood and gut show is on as well. That's naturally enough happened. I'm sure they put the arena two years ago. Um, <laughs> so you get into like, like, you know, a lot of the time they don't, they don't view competition. This is about kind of just crushing competitors mm. and they've got the money to do it. And they're going to take one of the great historic companies and they can end up fucking about with it. I'm convinced if they take it over, though, it won't work in Japan. I'm convinced a lot of the fan base will just reject mm. it. I have a feeling that... And they'll see it for what it is in many ways. And they've got if so you, many other options. If you were a Miyahara, would you stay? Is your loyalty to All Japan that great? Because once... If they sign with them, then it's not All Japan. Not all all Japan's Japan dead. Anymore, exactly. So then you would think, like, in some ways, he would be... If they were going to try and sort of do a serious push with Ken Miyahara as a figurehead... That's a kind of interesting state of mm. affairs. I don't think they'd be able to do it. I don't think they'd have the nerve. I don't think they've got it, to it in it. to do no. it. Mm. And they wouldn't kind of get it. But it would be a fascinating thing. He's only like 30. He's a young, young guy. So at the same time, if he goes, I, I think you could see, I could see some wrestlers just going, I don't want any part of this. Because if you're thinking about how much tradition and history is a big part of Japanese wrestling. And loyalty to companies. And loyalty and respect and all of these things. This completely flies in the face of it. It'd be Mm. weird if it was Akiyama that did the... Because is Akiyama president of all Japan still? I can't remember. I know they sold the company... There was Noah that was sold recently, wasn't it? Noah was sold to Cyber Agent recently. Um, Mm. And in this case, it was... They had a somewhat of a management reshuffle. And I think... Akiyama wasn't necessarily president anymore, but he was like kind of a trainer. And quite often, if you watch an All Japan show, he's just in a multi-man tag. Yeah, well, he's, he's said he's never going to compete for the title again or something, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he well, very much right. understands his kind of place there. Yeah. But, um, but it, it just yeah. this, the sort of when you say about the tradition, you think about All Japan, you think of what it is. Who owned it? Think of Barber, yeah. Barber and uh, Mrs. Barber be rolling M- there. Yeah, Barber. Graves, if they found out it was sort of WWE, I think. Uh, she yeah. looked back in the day. She liked to shit fit. Although, like, so Christ knows how she'd oh, react to this. You know, they make the bloody figurehead of all Japan if they sold it to them. Oh, no. Uh, hey, it's me, Johnny Ace. <laughs> oh, no. That is definitely happening, isn't it? All Japan, uh, Japanese legend, Johnny Ace. Oh. Uh, imagine the retcon on history you get. Fuck me. It would be, wouldn't it? Well, the thing I said to JP is the only good thing that could come out of this is uh, All Japan on the WWE Network uh, and a great All Japan documentary so anyone decides All Japan doing it. But I forgot that All Japan themselves yeah. don't own the uh, yeah, Nippon, TV, right? Nippon TV, yeah, mm. which is, you know, the other thing that kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'll tell you what we should do, lads. We should follow Nick Aldis' advice. I don't know if you saw his interview this week where he was going on uh, how he doesn't like people mm. f- fetishizing uh, Japanese wrestling, I think is the way you put it. I was, just, I was reading that going on, oh, Nick. Just shut up, mate. Everyone likes you right now. You don't need to. He was going, I don't know if you saw it, Joe, but he was going on about the fact that like he hates working in Japan because he puts all that work in and you just don't get a response. And it was just, everyone was like, yeah, yeah, mate, you don't get a response. Like, come on. It was like a, yeah. room, it was like a room 101 type podcast. So I kind of, it wasn't like. 
I think really just he, there was a at something of a point in what he was saying in the way like some fans treat Jap- Japan, but like, I was like, mate, just shut up, just keep your mouth shut, and just like enjoy the wa- the, the the minimal momentum you you kind of carrying right now with uh, lots of goodwill from your uh, the great stuff you're doing in NWA. He sounds about as tone deaf to Japanese wrestling and culture as I am to the coronavirus, you know. <laughs> Don't touch those desks. Um, but yeah, I mean, one other thing as well I wanted to mention before we get it, before we move to America, uh, there was a that great story. I don't know if you saw of a uh, great muter. Uh, he's supposed to be coming over, coming for GCW for Mania weekend, and Sonny Ono. Oh yeah, we've been so we, he is like definitely one of wrestling's greatest bastards. He, he like he's jumped in and he was trying to get he was trying to uh, get GCW to buy him it was something like tickets to Disneyland for Great Muter and his family which turned out to be Sonny Ono trying to get them to pay for like him to go to some to a stall at WrestleCon for this mystery vendor which also turned out to be Sonny Ono and then he was trying to get them to pay more money he was giving them all cut he was like doing like a, a public uh, offensive on them on, on Twitter like I love it like the, Sonny Ono no living up to the unfortunate uh, gimmick that he had back in the day in WCW. I don't think Great Muta's actually going to make it to GCW anymore, but it's good to know that there are still uh, real bad carnies in wrestling these days, JP. Oh, he is. He, he, he sounded like... I mean, I was just thinking back to him on Nitro as well. It was so carny-esque. And it, there was always a multitude of stories you'd see and hear about Sonny Ono as well, just being just shifty as fuck. Even Muta to a degree, as much as I love him and kind of like sort of hero worship, that kind of great Muta of the um, late 80s, early 90s, and obviously the kind of evolution of the character as well. He's a shifty bastard, make no <laughs> mistake. There was, there was still recently the reports of like, he knows English, obviously, of him like pretending not to be able to speak English and the rest of it. Like, you know, even till like relatively recent years. I'm seeing a documentary of him being interviewed on it. And he would, and he, he's not going to say anything in, in English whatsoever. And then quite often it was done, it was always thought to be done within the dressing room just so he knew what people were saying and mm. kind of working out what was going on as well. But yeah, Sonny Ono, he sounded like a piece of shit. <laughs> and yeah, to be honest, I think they're going to be, the tickets have been selling really well. Is it, they're running that Lakeland Centre, aren't they, for spring break? So they're, they're oh, going to be I getting... thought that was the Ring of, because Lakeland is where mm. Ring of Honour run, which is like miles away. I thought where they... Run, I thought they were running in Ebor City. I thought they're doing like in a proper, like, couple of thousand arena. Yeah, though. I think they are, but I'm sure it's Ebor City, isn't it? Does Just Ebor trying... City have one? You've been there, mate. I've been to Ebor City, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Any good stories of it, Joe? No. <laughs> just a place it, like just outside of Tampa yeah the pretty good bar where I saw an Evolve show that's that's where D- Drew Galloway beat Chris Hero for the Evolve title that's quite good oh, there you go that's a good story um, yeah GCW are running Evolve the, the... correspondent there <laughs> <laughs> apparently the, the courtyard or the the Cuban club apparently ever been there Joe not to my knowledge. I was in like just a pub. It's quite a good like bar pub. I've got to say, I was enjoying it. Mm. Yeah, me and Biff Busey became good mates that night. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I should have had a way with him, Joe. You could have stopped him wasting the last five years of his prime. Mate, we were having serious chats about all Japan. Wow. Like nineties all Japan. It was great. I mean, oh, maybe you'll go over. Into, he asked me if I was into world of sport. I was like, mate, fucking shit. Can't watch it. <laughs> Dep- depressing old rubbish. Like, bro. <laughs> 
If I'm going to watch anything old, well, I'd rather watch like old snooker or old football from that era, <laughs> not wrestling. How did he think not that? Um, he couldn't believe it. He thought that everyone in England was really into it. And he thought mm. that all British wrestling fans like love world of sport. But he'd obviously been listening to Chris Hero a lot. <laughs> there is a world of sport match that I've got like saved to watch because it was one I'm that was... I'm not watching it. No, 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 you won't. But it's, a, it's a heavyweight match between Gwyn Davis and Steve Vidor, which neither of which I knew, but it was just brought up. It was because I was going through old podcasts. It was an old um, BWE where it was... Alan's list of Alan Farrell's list of the greatest matches mm. of um, of all time, and so I thought I've, I've got one down today because I haven't seen a World of Sport match in ages, just to kind of have a look and see what it's like. So sort, of sort of good. Sp- I mean, the quality of the footage isn't great, but it's a heavyweight match. It doesn't involve Daddy or Haystacks, which is and it's for a title, so it seems like it's quite interesting. There's a big crowd there as well, so. Yeah, I'm going to uh, watch that. World of Sport to me is like, when I think about like soap <laughs> uh, opera, I can watch any soap opera, but you get to Emmerdale, fuck that. <laughs> Super, I've said it before. World of Sport is the Emmerdale of wrestling for me. Yeah. In, I, in that genre. The, the day there's British a, a, wrestling stopped trying to bring that shit back where every promotion was trying to do rounds or trying to do like a, be like historical Brit res. Like Brit res is so, as much as like, I hate when British culture takes from the Americans, like the day British mm. Indies, like the FWA started just steal, stealing from us indie style. Like that was a good day for Brit res as far as I'm concerned. I think you need to leave that stuff in the past. Yeah. It, to me, it's the equivalent of going to one of those like working men's clubs that are like stuck in a different era. Mm. And you're like, all right, the beer's cheap, but the beer's shit. <laughs> one eighty a pint, mm. and I just feel like I'm in a time warp. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a little bit. Well, in my case, a lot of the world of sports stuff, as I've said before, is kind of based around like sort of real childhood nostalgia of seeing it on TV. Fair enough, yeah. the first experience of seeing wrestling. We're of a different and age, aren't we? Me and Joe. It, that's it, and there were things on it on those kind of like one of the things I always remember is it, it just how much I hated Daddy. I just like hated him. Big Daddy, that is. This isn't like some sort of cry for help on a, on a podcast. Um, but the idea, or a sexual thing, <laughs> exactly. Um, hated Big Dirty Daddy, Tuesdays. like, but safe in the knowledge that Haystacks was never beating him. And that kind of OTT stuff wasn't necessarily it. Whereas my dad liked Fit Finley, and there were like I can remember. Um, rollerball Rocco and, and a couple of matches like it wasn't like that every week but there are moments when I do think back on it I go okay yeah I can remember those I clearly remember Fit Finney come to ring and those matches were interesting in and of themselves but I always thought that in terms of that modern style it's that kind of ambition style that they that, that's where the kind of evolution of, of that and you can use some of the spots and some of the moves and use it in like a modern context exactly you go back to rounds and things like that. Cause this one, it was like 10, five minutes rounds. I was like, fuck me. That's a length of a match that you put potentially going in. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, the rounds format, that's kind of gone and dead and buried. It belongs to a different era of where it is. But yeah, I'm going to gonna watch it regardless. Who are you to doubt great Brexit supporters, LDN, JP? They're still doing that stuff. 
Aren't they? Oh, <laughs> that, they burnt me off after last week of watching. That was that was eight minutes, and none of us are getting back. Well, that's probably out in a conservative club as well, wasn't it? Mm. Based on what they were promoting, yeah. yeah. Nigel Farage in the audience. Nice one to Crystal. I know for getting us that uh, that photo from last week. Yeah, <laughs> Fuck me. yeah. He's apparently searching for was it three years of like Facebook, like kind of because he said he'd seen it, and it was like a oh, bloody hell. So uh, yeah, we'll, we can put up on the show image this week. Defo. And yeah, on that on that GCW stuff, like yeah, obviously they'll 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 get over it. I'm sure they'll be fine without Muta. The only concern I've got is that like Mania weekend, JP, like Spring Break's running head to head with TNA. WrestleCon is running what's WrestleCon running head to head with the next day. I think that's head to head with another big show on the fr- on the Friday. NXT Bloodsport. Bloodsport, that's it. Head to head with Bloodsport. Oh. And then on the Saturday, Ring, uh, Ring of Honor's New Japan show is head-to-head with NXT. It's like all of the interesting stuff's just all clustered together. We'll make it work, though. We'll find we'll find a way. There'll be a lot of rewatching going on. We will do, but we won't be... Uh, yeah, there's... Yeah, the meme stuff is... There's a lot of shite. There's a lot of... There's a lot. Of, there's actually yeah. more good stuff than it was looking like a few months ago, but there's a lot of shite peppered around it, and those prime, prime spots, kind of all the best stuff's just on top of each other, unfortunately, so... Yeah, that'll be a that'll be a fun uh, task for us, Mania weekend. Yeah, it will be. I, I won't lie; I'm not looking forward to that part of it. But there you go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> right, moving on. Anyway, should we uh, we talk some AEW? Should we get into this pay per view? Yeah. Oh, it's there. Yeah, definitely. Well, like as we were, uh, you know, last week we were pushing people, or we were mentioning. We just want to definitely we're saying first, uh, thanks to everyone who did use the uh, the grapple link to to purchase AEW's Revolution. Uh, it was just a. Uh, it was definitely uh, nice to see the amount of people who, who used it, and it, it's definitely good and definitely a, a real uh, positive thing that like uh, our listenership were out here, JP, supporting us and and actually uh, exactly. helping out helping out poor Grapple Gareth who does the Lord's work on his uh, on his spreadsheet work and his uh, updating of Grapple every day. I don't know how he does it, but little things like this, the fact that people uh, gave back does help. Yeah, that was really nice. That was that was something that was I was really really pleased to 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 see and, and and hear people do so yeah we did our shilling we we did that <laughs> I did that stuff we're on the big uh, tone payroll willingly as well yeah exactly all hail our streaming overlords um <laughs> so i'm i'm pleased to uh yeah so it was it, i just want to say thank you to everyone who uh who bought it and used the link as well and for helping us out and that helping gareth out and supporting and supporting all the stuff that we do so yeah greatly appreciated Sure. Um, but yeah, let's get into the pay-per-view. Uh, obviously, I was away, so I watched the, the majority of this on a, on a plane home to England. Uh, did either of you bother with the pre-show with that STU Dark Order stuff, or did you just jump into the main stuff? Jumped in, into the main stuff, because mm. I I was actually at one point planning to kind of watch it live, and I went I fell asleep before match of the day. Mm. I was like just completely knackered. He looked at me as that like, was never going to happen, mate, was it? Not a good time for me to get this live till five in the morning. I don't know if I would have watched all of it, but yeah. I was like, oh, match of the day, you're kind of leading nicely into this as well. Started one. I know, but it I would was... I would have probably watched the pre-show and the yeah. countdown show or anything like that to kind of kill the time. I wish it was twelve to four or mm. twelve to last three. Mm. That's, that hour's a little bit more bearable than one till five. Like. Yeah, that's, that's that's not the best time, if you ask me. Just to add one one more thing before we start on Dynamite, Ben. I just want to mm. say on the uh, eve of the show, um, 
I decided to watch the uh, Iron Man match again. We haven't spoken about the Iron Man match. Dynamite last mm, Oh, good show. I think, yeah. I think that definitely has to get a mention in before we talk about the show. Mm. What do you guys make of that Kenny Omega pack match? I loved it. Uh, yeah. It was awesome, wasn't it? Oh, it, was, it? Honestly, this is like the week where you're reminded of how good Kenny Omega is. Not that we need, yeah. that we necessarily need to remind him, but you know what I mean? Like, this is the actual Kenny Omega you want to see in AW and that we were moaning we weren't seeing early on. He's found himself again. Mm. Uh, to use a, use a Shawn Michaels quote, you know, he lost his smile for a bit, but he seems to have found it again, Danny, right now. So, yeah, mm. yeah he, he's been awesome. I think he's had his best three matches and for me, he's had three of the best matches in the promotion in the last two weeks. You had that Lucha Brothers tag match yeah, a couple yeah, of weeks yeah. ago. You had the pack match this week. Uh, this week. I mean, you had obviously the match of the pay-per-view, which we'll talk about in a minute. But the Iron Man match, I thought, was the best mm. example of what Kenny Omega is. I thought it was the. It was, I think it was the best pack match I've ever seen. Wow. I was trying to think of a pack match that I prefer to it, and nothing was coming to mind. The stuff mm. that's sort of around that area. But I went a good four and a half stars on this. And I thought that it was... Same. I can't remember the last time I saw a match that good on TV. Have mm. I ever seen a match that good on TV is what I'm I was wondering. trying to think of matches that were given that kind of sufficient amount of time and length. And People yeah. always bring up Sean and John Cena, don't they? That's always one. Um, I always thought that was massively overrated. Mm. Is that the one in the UK? I was going to say, did, I thought I remembered you being there. Were you not there for that one, the London one? No, uh, mate, I've only ever been to one live Raw tape and I've never going back to another one. It was a massive request. <laughs> Good <Absolutely>. lad. <laughs> I did that one WWE show. Oh, no, I went to that NXT show at Wembley as well. That was really good, the yeah. first takeover over here they did. Well, the- um, but the- yeah, I always thought the Michael Cena one was really overrated. I thought the Mania match was a lot better. Oh, well, I was just going to say, like, the, the commentators on AEW were literally saying that, weren't they, about, about um, Pac and Omega? I think Shivani agreed it was the best match in TNT TV history. And, like, that sounded sacrilegious, sacrilegious when they said it. But was there a better Nitro match? Like, the Nitro matches I fucking loved, but actually, as a belt of L match? I was trying to think Clash no. of the Champions, but Clash of the Champions was TBS, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So I suppose yeah. you've got the technicality there. Sting and DDP yeah. had a couple of great ones on Nitro. I uh, don't know if you've got fond memory of those like I do. There's loads of great cruiser matches, but nothing that at this level. Goldberg Raven. Ah, I was going to say that's a class. That's a, but, yeah. But that's one of the best put together matches of all time. Exactly. Yeah, but but nothing on this level for TV. I can't. I'd be happy to hear any any other kind of any other TV matches that could live up that could live up to this but yeah i went four and a half and it was like i was there going i don't think i've seen a better tv match than this there was, and, you know what there was a michael's triple h match i think it was the new year 2003 against 2004 it was really fucking good i okay. remember thinking it was their best match that they ever had together but i've, I've not seen it in maybe 15 mm. years so I'd have to watch it again. But, yeah. Jer- Jericho and Benoit against Austin and Triple H. But, but again, that was partly... That was very good. H. I think I think this was better than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, this went a step beyond it. I think the storytelling in this was some of the best mm-hmm. storytelling I've ever seen in a television match because they had the time and uh, to explore that depth in the story mm-hmm. and to develop it over the course of the match as well. Mm-hmm. I thought the pacing of this was great mm-hmm. as well. The choice to um, open with it as well. Like, how great was that? Like, what what a perfect slot for the match. Just go straight to yeah. it and take over the first 40 minutes of the show. Big, ballsy move on their part as well. And I thought it was a really smart move as well. Because mm. you get that audience kind of 
hooked in, done. You get yeah. the audience established in that first part of the show as well. I think mean, it happened later in the show. People might have been switching over. Mm. But early in the show, I think they're less mm. tended to switch over to NXT as well because you know you're probably going to get an Adam Cole talking segment for 15 minutes or something. <laughs> it was... It was the best. It was the best way of them having their first all disqualification. It was a logical disqualification. Yeah, yeah. It made complete sense within the story and sort mm. of working on Kenny. Memories um, of Rick Rude and Ricky Steen both there with the uh, the purposeful DQ and an IMO match. Always love to see that. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's a great match. The yeah. Speech Blast '92. That's incredible. incredible. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's you know the way that they they put this match together. It, it was perfect. The fact that they were playing into the fact it was the way that. Matt Jackson shoves him in when he thinks he's going to get counted out. And you're mm. kind of going, okay, has he shoved him in because he kind of wants him, you know, he's wanting to help his mate, but also he's wanting him to be beaten down. Oh, so yeah. he's weaker for that, which when it comes to that kind of level of storytelling, and we're going to go on about it in quite an amount of detail when we talk about that tag match mm. in terms of complex characterization and storytelling, this was like the first part of it. And like you say, it's, it's a ballsy move. It's mm. a ballsy move to open a show with that. And I know there's been a lot. There's always that stuff said about the TV ratings and everything else. But I kind of I almost think like what they need, what they're doing is really consolidating a lot of that audience. Now, how much in terms of the pay-per-view that they managed to turn into um, buy, uh, buys on pay-per-view? That's going to be interesting. That's going to be interesting. And obviously there is an ITV over here. Mm. So so whether or not uh, uh, ITV box office or whether or not that's affected pay-per-views over here. And if you're talking 10,000, that's enough for it to mm. make kind of like a, a really serious difference. But I mean, in terms of the TV show and, you know, they've like say since since the new year, since that week off, like they all got blazing really. There were other episodes in the build-up to this that I thought were overall better. but Yeah, I'd agree with that. But like, that's not to say that this was bad or anything else. It was as good a go-home show mm. to a pay that I've seen for quite some time. And it made the pay-per-view seem important. Yeah, yeah. massively, massively. And a ballsy movie, but a match like this on mm. your TV the week before a pay-per-view as well. Mm. Yeah. What? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah the, 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 the hype they did for this pay-per-view, like, I, again, like you said there, JP, if it, obviously with, you know, them losing ITV over here, they're going to do less buys. Less people are going to, unfortunately, as much as we showed that last week, are going to go through fights. It's just the reality of the situation. Uh, but I think overall, like, they've got to... If wrestling bill means anything these days, and we've, we've had 20 years of WWE making it mean nothing... But if like mm-hmm. peaking your stories at you know at the right times or peaking the middle of stories at the right times and just generally doing a, a hard sell for your pay-per-view and making every match feel important, every match pretty much a personal issue and every match something I personally was invested in in seeing the outcome of, you'd hope. You'd hope that they do maybe even if it's I, I personally I think my, my my guess would be I think he's like a hundred thousand for the last pay per view didn't he when, yeah. when all was counted up if it's just above that I think it's a success I could see it being you know one hundred and twenty but maybe one hundred ten hundred fifteen I would like to see that little bump that kind of that that reward I suppose for the great work they've been doing like you no know, we said last week okay yeah they're not quite hitting a million on their TV show but they're doing really mm-hmm. fucking well getting you know close to nine hundred thousands but they're is a part of me that looks at those ratings every week kind of going ah oh, i'd love for the, you know to just be going up in conjunction with how good the show's been and for the pay-per-view if that can if that can be like a if you might see a nice little bump from that as well it just it you know it, as much as we all know they're going in the right direction it just feels like something they deserve at this point as well 
they do that they do deserve that little bit of joy and i and i would and i would really agree with that as well i would say in terms of the ratings as well something to mention is they're doing double what tnt were normally doing in that time slot beforehand oh, really? oh. and a lot of that was original first run driving i think it was around 450 or 500,000 that was the expectation and the thing that we've that noticed if you think of they were going there was the possibility we were worried about it going into the 600s at various points and mm. it doesn't feel like they were going to hit that like they they kind of turned things around at that point well, i was thinking earlier on actually the thing that i would say for them as well is you look at their attitude right mm. um you think there were those tvs after the last pay-per-view which suffered a little bit where it felt like they didn't know what they were doing uh, the sort of storylines were stuck in a bit of stasis mm. you had all the dark order stuff dominating and you get to Christmas, and it feels like they went, all right, we need to reassess this a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let's get it together. And this is a bit of a blip. It's probably the first blip we've had in a few years as guys and for Big Tone as well. They got it together. They fought positively, and they've assessed what isn't going so well from there, and they've mm-hmm. got it right. Whereas you think of the other company that just likes to blame everyone else for everything and blame a lot of the wrestlers for everything yeah. they can't get over and they're not stars and it's just the, the difference in thinking and the open-mindedness and the willingness to actually accept a bit of criticism and reevaluate. it's just refreshing it's quite nice yeah. to see that there's been some proper reflection and they've kind of amended where they were going with stuff yeah. as a result of that a lot of territories would i mean back in the day like stuff that was one week you'd get rid if it wasn't working you got rid you ended it you didn't drag it out because fundamentally, you weren't kind of at loggerheads with your audience mm. by going, actually, you're the ones that are wrong. But funny enough, we were watching the, that, that, that Ruthless Aggression documentary, which 10 minutes felt like two <laughs> hours oh, no. watching it as well. And even when they're talking about things like Deacon Batista, it's about, well, Dave, you didn't really grab the opportunity, did he? No, you wrote him a shit gimmick. Like, accept some fucking level of responsibility. Imagine if he did. Imagine if he did, and he was just the deacon for five years, and he came back and yeah. did, like, odd appearances as the deacon now as, like, a retro thing. That's how his career would have went if that worked. It, exactly. So there's, like, there's no, like, of, I mean, it's stating the bleeding obvious, but there's no element to kind of reflect at all on, on what it is they've done. Mm. And, and whereas with AEW, they've done that. Now I would say there are things about the pay per view that, oh, yeah. in some ways, I wonder if I built, I bought the hype too much. <laughs> like I wanted this, in a sense, to be better than really what it was in the end. But that's not a slight on the. Like saying it is a bit of a slight on the show, but that's not mm. to denigrate well, it really or say that it was bad or anything else. Yeah. But I thought they did such a good job of building it up oh, yeah. and investing me in matches. Yeah. Some of those matches didn't hit the heights I wanted them to. Yeah, and I think that's the, that you know that's kind of the testament to the hype. Yeah, it is. Yeah, as well the expectation that well, you've got going into it as well. Mm. So I would I completely agree with that. Yeah, um, I, I think I, I just think maybe there's maybe some assumptions that we made as well mm. on what certain things were going to be like, and then they worked out slightly differently. Let's say. Yeah, I think I think the best example of that, and there's probably others, but like leading off with Jake Hager and Justin Justin Rhodes as the opening match on the pay per view. Like I was poor choice. It yeah. really was, wasn't it? And we're going to talk. We're going to go through the show in order because I think there's plenty to talk about with this layout. Because that is a there's plenty of positive. I'm going to talk about that, but that is yeah. a negative. And I think yeah, jumping out with it just doesn't scream hot opener, does it? Like fair enough. I didn't watch the buy-in, and you know, SCU are always reliable as like your opening act on these shows. But to start your pay-per-view proper with Jake Hager doing his 
2010 WWE big card plodding match. Oh yeah, he threw a bit through MMA things in there. Oh yeah, you know, the feud was genuinely exciting and interesting going in. But yeah, it felt like one they maybe they overthought with some of the spots in this for me and didn't just do the simple, you know, end end of the feud and the simple just fight between these two. And then secondly, it kind of said, oh yeah, I understand now why, why J.K. Hager has uh, just been the silent guy behind Jericho mm. and we haven't seen him in the ring to this point. And this is what they did. They, I'm not saying they betrayed the character per se, but he was presented here in an mm. entirely different way. He'd been presented in yeah. all of the build up to this. It just wasn't the same person. So he had his wife out there. And she was kind of getting involved. And it was like, this is all rather from left field. Yeah, Where, very like, so. Yeah. Like, why is this happening? Like, she wants to be there? Fine. But then he was doing a thing where he was snogging her at the beginning. He was like, this guy wasn't making any facial reactions whatsoever. And getting over outside of doing that and screaming. Like, that was, that was the stuff that was working for him. His comedic timing, doing that kind of stuff was really good. And he didn't come out as that kind of, silent assassin he was kind of it was very very odd well, i just and thought this was a real opportunity for him to change his style yeah and to go for a different approach and if he's doing mma i, I thought to myself go out mm. there all guns blazing five minutes beat the shit out of each other that was the way the match was mm. kind of built if anything it was too long it kind of plodded along at points and he just did what he kind of has always done yep like mm. i just don't think he's explosive enough like there's nothing there into, like he needs to be in Oklahoma, right? They was going to vow he's from Oklahoma. So the obvious comparison for me is Steve Williams. Yeah. He's got the similar size to him. He's got a similar background to him. Nowhere near the wrestler he is. Like, uh, I don't understand how he just doesn't work at more of a pace or with more intensity. Mm. Like, the lack of intensity that he works with is kind of baffling, mm. especially with what they tried to portray with the character as this kind of heavy. And I think they've just got to kind of stick to him being this heavy at this point because... Yeah. He's not really offering anything in the it, ring. No. It, it doesn't really make sense to have an MMA fighter in your promotion if he's not going to be sort of looking for that kind of killer submission straight away because that's what MMA fighters do. They kind of, you know, if they see the opportunity to take someone out, they don't think, ah, oh, let's just drag this on to the end of round three, do you? <laughs> no. but the, best, the best moments of this are when Dustin Rhodes was on offense. Mm. Uh, and yeah. You know, it wasn't on offense a lot. Mm. It was basically Hager's mm. match, and yeah, he's just kind of dull. Yeah, if, shame. You, if you wanted them a major JP, weren't you happy with that weird triangle armbar thing you finished it with? Like, oh, oh I, I was sat there on the plane watching this, fully tuned in, you know, my headphones on, and it was just pure silence and just awkward, just yeah. from the commentators because I don't think the commentators really even realised it was his finisher. Just well, bad. They, they were saying that. That's how he finished his the two wins that he's had. He's had three matches, and one of them was a DQ. I think he hit the lad and the knackers, I think, or something along. It was a no contest along those lines. Um, and he, um, yeah, he'd actually done that, but they, they hadn't built that up at all. Mm. It was only because Excalibur sort of said that as they were going through. I was like, right, okay, was that how he won his two matches? You might well have shown it in the build up to <laughs> it about, you know. They had the footage from Bellator, but a lot mm. of times they never used that particular bit of footage, like yeah, the finishes. Surely that's the bit that, yeah, the bit you want to get over. Yeah, yeah. I've no interest in seeing him in the ring any time soon. No, no it, it's it, weird. I like the character. But... I like the character too, but it's like you know, when you, it's like when Diesel was Shawn Michaels' bodyguard. He's Shawn Michaels' bodyguard, and he does a great job as the bodyguard. But the end, the end game is let's get him over, and he's going to be a player. Like, with Jake mm-hmm. Hager, it's like, he's very good at being Jericho's bodyguard and basically standing there and saying nothing. 
but what's the end game? Because he's not going to be able to do much. If, if this is what he's offering, yeah. if he's offering this, it felt like watching an empty arena five-star wrestling show, seeing him in there. It was bringing back mm. the horrible memories of that for me. If this is what he's going to bring, then it, it, it does kind of, as much as Jericho's made it work and Hager's made it work, it makes you wonder what, you know, someone else given that opportunity might have been able to do with it. It was kind of giving me a Mr. Hughes vibe of good kind of like yeah. guys to have on the outside of the ring. You put him in the ring and he's shit. Yeah. yeah and it's it. like, you know, Oz and Vinny Vegas. Yeah. No one really knew they were when Kevin Nash got to WWE, did they? Mm. Whereas we had like 10 years of Jack Swagger <laughs> yeah. before this. Mm. So he's got that baggage. And I don't, I think he's done a pretty good job and presented well on TV. But this kind of brought back all the baggage for me that went yeah. with what Jack Swagger was. And, you know, I saw Jack Swagger have good matches with Christian in 2009. And outside of that, I never saw him have a good match. So, great shame. Yeah. What'd you give it on Grapple? Uh, I'm just looking at I went 1.75. But, yeah. How about you, JP? Did you? I I, I gave this two and a half. Oh, generous. Yeah, I think I was pretty generous. Hi, man on Jake Hager there, JP. Big fan. Two and a half, mate. Let's, um, <laughs> That's the average. The average you know, of grapple is hardly the new Kabashi. Do you know where he should have been going between um, WWE and AEW? A couple of all Japan tours, sort of yeah. the fuck out. He would have learned something over there with them big lads. Yeah. But, oh, well, he was taking, you know, the Rev Pro Pompey payday instead. Yeah. <laughs> taking pictures of the kids. I did that, yeah. Bloody hell. Uh, but yeah, that was uh, not particularly well received on Grapple either. Like I said, JP, they're uh, closer to you than, than than the rest of us, though. 2.56 is the average on Grapple at a 613 mm-hmm. ratings. But next up, at least, there was a match that did far better on Grapple and uh, did far better for me personally. Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara. Wow, it was the perfect opener, wasn't it? It was Yes. Just... Change, I would have changed the order of this card. I'd have gone Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara to open... I'd have gone, um, you know, women knowing their place, match two, as progress have got accustomed to over the years. Yeah. Is that a terrible thing to say? I don't no, know. Uh, it's on progress, that one. Um, well, it's certainly the women's match shouldn't have been in the slot that they were well, in. Yeah. Seconds, got some yeah. form of reaction and stood a chance. Exactly. Each. And then I would have put this one on third, mm-hmm. or I'd have put it on in the position that the women's match was in. Mm-hmm. Because I think Hager and um, Dustin would have got something, would have got the same reaction. No matter where they were on the card, it just seems strange to me that this wasn't the opener because this would have been oh. kind of your perfect opener on the night. This felt like the opener to me. It yeah, it's Darby Island coming out like one of the most over men on the night, starting the match hot with the, with the dive at the start. Even the fuck up where, where he kind of didn't quite make the second dive, using that as the cutoff and going straight into the brawl. The match itself was like, what, five minutes, something like that? It was all the stuff on the outside. It was From like, bell to bell, yeah. This, like five minutes or so. This is the definition of starting off hot, isn't it? This is like, you don't want Darby Allen to stand there in the corner and wait for the bell to the ring. He hates Sammy Guevara. He wants to kill Sammy Guevara. He tries, he fails. Yeah, I thought this had a great story. Great creative spots in there, and yeah, I'd love to see these two wrestle each other for the next five years. To be honest, and be a, a feud that you continuously go back to. This felt like this is the, I say one of the career rivalries. This is kind of one of the the longer term feuds that you play out for four or five years. Yeah, you go back to it. It's you go back like to it. That sort of, I don't know. I think you think of say like a Benoit Jericho yeah, yeah. or a Triple H Rock, whatever matches mm-hmm. in '97. Then again in '98. Then again '99, 2000. You can sort of can return yeah. to it every year, and both guys have grown in some way. And I also like the fact that when he dived through the ropes and he clipped his foot and he didn't hit him. 
They didn't try and hide that. Like they kind of, they, they explained, oh, look, he's hit his foot there. And they went back and showed the replay for this. And it gave Sammy the advantage. And he did that 630 to the table. Oh, that was mad. Mad on the out. He did that pretty soon afterwards, which kind of took it away. But I appreciate they did that. Mm. That felt like kind of honest, just not, not an idea of trying to hide it or pretend it didn't happen. Mm. Keeping that kind of rough edge in there, I think it Make kind it of worked for something. Well, it, it's almost, it is part of the bigger story with these two where the, these the, these kind of little botches are going to happen as well. There's going to be that little bit of roughness. But that's, for me, that's part of the appeal of a, of a Derby Allen and a Sammy Guevara. Yeah. And Guevara is what, you know, Allen feels like he's more natural to kind of be that one of those figures that really connects with the crowd. And it seems, and I'd be interested to see where they go with him in terms of to the in terms of trying to because I think you'd still need to do a relatively slow build with him ultimately mm. um given given kind of how special he is but I think Guevara's working with his bad foot after that wild fucking super kick that, that he took and he was great and the, even though when he did the Spanish fly and he was like he thought he was going to fall off and managed mm. to get his balance back as well yeah I yeah Really, really, I, I really enjoyed this. Yeah, and I, I think the fact that it wasn't it wasn't really a story driven match, was it? It didn't need to be. It just no. needed to be sort of mad spots put together yeah. with a level of intensity and a level of hype that got the crowd into this and kind of got them going. They fulfilled that. Like one of the things I sort of thought was were both of the guys maybe a little bit excited and a little bit overhyped at times. Like, did that lead to, say, the little mistakes with Darby Allen and the little botches and it being a more dangerous match? Because they'd never been in a position like this at a major pay-per-view before, mm. and then we didn't have that sort of more experienced hand to calm them down, lead them along. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's sort of a learning experience. I mean, they did a bloody good job on the night. And there's benefits to that, getting to watch them in their raw form, isn't there? Rather mm. than watching, like, an over-agented you know, maybe safer match that you get with these two if they were somewhere else. And, you know, Darby's made it clear he's glad he's not somewhere else and he hasn't got an agent telling him what to do. There's just something to be said for that too, isn't there? And watch them learn on the job and you can see the star potential in both of them. You know, if Sammy Guevara loses this match, he can lose as many matches as he wants, to be honest. Like, he's, he's the kind of character who's constantly going to still get himself over despite losses. And Darby Allen's someone who just jumps off the page as someone who's going to be a massive star. You can see with both of them, it's going to come in time. But, it, but you know, in that time, we're going to get entertaining stuff like this. And we're going to get to see them learn. and get to see them, like, in a natural environment, just get better as wrestlers. And yeah, like you said, JP, I'm on board for the next uh, few years of these two going against each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but you both give it on grapple. I went. I was. I was tempted with a four. I ended up going three point seven five on it. But I thought it was great. Same three point seven five. Mm. I went to three and a half. Yeah. I think the way they structured the match, there was probably a ceiling on really how far yeah. you could go because yeah. it was the yeah. wild brawling stuff. Now, I ever thought about another match well. later on where the way they opened this match is the way they should have opened that match, and they, you know, so to a degree, I'll be interested to see what they do next time when it's probably much more of a sort of straightforward one-on-one match but yeah, they, yeah. they've kept that fresh i gotta yeah. say i do think they've actually got better matches in them mm. oh yeah because i think they've got more focused matches in them where they can still do mad shit yeah but they do it around uh, more of a story but they do it on a different night where that sort of match is more appropriate for what the mm. crowd want at that point in time so for what the crowd needed on this night as well mm. to get up, i thought yeah. it was perfect Absolutely. So yeah, grapple average sits at 3.75 as well. So yeah, pretty much uh, in agreement with us there. 
yeah. went from this into a match that, yeah, grapple again. I, I tried to stay spoiler-free. <sighs> Couldn't. I knew what was in for, and you people were raving about it. And yeah, grapple rated of 4.76, with an average, with 703 people voting. Hamman Page and Kenny Omega against the Young Bucks. I've seen a lot of fives. Did either of you go that far? I went with a 4.75. I'm in with the grapple average, but fuck me, that's an average, and fuck me, what a tag match we got here. So I went 4.75 originally, hmm. and then I rewatched it, and I was like, is it a five-star match after I watched it the first time? And I rewatched it, and for me, it's a five-star match. Oh, I think it's lad. one of the best matches I've ever seen. I think it's maybe, and I love tag team wrestling, and I was trying to think, is this the best tag team match I've ever seen? And the only ones that come close are some of the mid-90s All Japan matches with the four pillars, mm. if anything. Mm. Um, and this, to me, reminded me of a modern, more athletic uh, sort of, how can I put it? Uh, more sort of high spot version of one of those mid nineties all Japan matches between those those four mm-hmm. pillars. Uh, this was different level in terms of the storytelling, in terms of the depth that they managed to find in the match. Sort of harking back to previous stories, but current stories as well. And it was the layers that they managed to involve here around what was an incredibly well wrestled match as well that had me on the edge of my seat from minute one to minute 30. What, just an absolutely amazing match. I, yeah, I, my, I was losing my shit during this match in a way I've not lost my shit in a long time. I was watching it quite late at night because I was I, very busy on Sunday um, and didn't get in till late. And then when mm. I got in, after watching the Carlin Cup, not the Carlin, the Carabao Cup final, uh, my girlfriend was still out, so I couldn't watch it. She went to bed. I woke her up flipping out at this one. I got told off for going too bad. <laughs> you messaged me as well, didn't uh, you, afterwards? I was, I, I was on such a high after watching this that I didn't calm down the rest of the show. And I found it hard to sleep because I was still on such a high after watching mm. this. Like, that's what wrestling can do to you sometimes. That's why that's what we do this shit. That's why I come on here. That's why I suffer through some of the absolute shite <laughs> I made to watch to get, to get this. Yeah, basically. to get those nuggets. Yeah. Um, I would, I'm assuming, obviously, Benno, you've only had the one chance to see it. Mm. Um, I'm kind of, we spoke, we both, both me and Joe had given it a 4.75 and we were talking about it. Joe was driving back from work and I was like, and we were both like, we both need to see this. And then Joe had seen it before when he was like, yeah, it's a five. And then I, I got around to seeing it again. Uh, and that was my thought. I, I watched this and I was like, this match kind of had uh, it sounds like we're going to all end up mirroring each other's viewpoints on it, but mm. it kind of has to be emphasised, really. That this match had everything that I would want in a tag in a tag match. If you think of all of the components of matches that you like, it had all of them. It had, first of all, the promo package and the build up to it as well, which sort of summarised that. The interviews that. We didn't speak about on the dynamite, oh, but that, that, sit down that sit down with JR is like the best use of JR as well. But the way that they did that, the fact, and I kind of came back to it in terms of how the crowd had felt conflicted because they were booing the Bucks. And I think some of it, it was that line that they said to Paige of like, you were a jobber in Ring yeah. of Honor, brought you into Bullet Club. And at that point, I kind of thought that was a really clever move because what they've ended up doing is they kind of, They've gone into that arrogant Bucks mode. Mm. And I think 
they kind of need to channel that. And it's not as simple as Bucks turn heel, Page turns heel, Omega turns heel, or anything else like that. There's much more sort of nuanced levels going on here where each each of the characters are justified. You may not agree with them, but they're justified in how they feel and how they react to yeah. certain things. And yet, out of all of this, and this is the other thing, we, uh, um, one of the other thoughts I had on this, if WWE were doing this, they certainly wouldn't have structured some of the finish around Adam Page. <laughs> and the way that they did it, in terms of all of the goals, and again, just to, to go through the obvious stuff, the spectacular spots, a crowd that were absolutely receptive on a stage worthy of a tag match like that as well. Um, you know, the kind of uniqueness, the genuine hatred. Matt Jackson had, like, I thought one of, like, his career best performance. I think it was, without a doubt. I think yeah. it's the, the Bucks, best, the best match That's... of Bucks career. And Matt Jackson was the standout. I think his facials, his yeah. acting throughout the match, some of the subtle stories. He's always been it. good at it. My God. Oh, he's... this was on a different level. Yeah. Like, honestly. The spitting. The sp- I love the change in pace of the match. When Paige spits in, and suddenly this pace just ramps up, mm. like, and the mood just sort of changes completely. You're like, fight is on here. And it felt like there was much more aggression in the way Matt Jackson started actually hitting his offense mm-hmm. as well, which I thought was really cool. It sort of reminded me, not, um, it didn't remind me fully of the match, but in part, it sort of reminded me of Devlin. Um, Star. Uh, star in terms of there being like a rough edge to the offense in mm. some way, especially on Matt Jackson's part, mm. especially on Adam Page's part. And yeah, the manner in which it, it was laid out as well, it all made sense. It was like you've mentioned that that lot in WWE there, JP. And yeah. said if they, they couldn't do this, they're incapable no. of doing this. No. They don't reward fans. We have been rewarded here for following the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, yeah. Adam Page for what, the last three years? Yeah. Like, some of the the, the sort of um, callbacks here. Oh, Jesus. The Marty spot with the chicken wing. Yes. Like, awesome. The Golden Trigger playing off the last time there was a conflict between the Bucks and Omega. Mm. Like, Checking out a one. Oh, it was awesome. Like, that stuff was so cool. Mm-hmm. And, like, I was, lo- when they did the Golden Trigger, I was losing my shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was fucking awesome. And, you know, that's a long-term payoff for fans that have followed their careers and kind of supported them for the last mm-hmm. few years. And, yeah, at times, you know, we haven't always been enamoured by some of the stuff they've done and the way they reacted to the New Japan fallout and all the rest of it. But, you know, you felt fulfilled and you felt like they gave a shit about their fan base by paying storylines off that have been there and in place before the promotion existed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was, to me, this was the... It was like the culmination of the elite, if anything. It was like, um, I don't know, you've got this long storyline that's been plotted out over years and years and years and has unfolded gradually. And this was like the big major sort of payoff, if anything. Mm -hmm. It was that big crescendo at the end of like series three that leaves you on some sort of cliffhanger as you end the series. It's like an HBO drama in wrestling form, if anything. Wow. That's it. And it, you mentioned New Japan, and like you both said, it's very New Japan in, like you say, rewarding you for paying attention. And you could watch this match cold, and you'd still enjoy it, and still think it was a great match. Yeah. Oh, but, mate, mate, Nick, you know, I mentioned earlier with the uh, shit beers and telling me how the beers. Yeah, you're listening. Um, he's just told me in JP tonight that he he was watching this tonight, and a mate popped round, 
Mm. And his mate enjoyed it and was sort of blown away by some of the moves he was seeing and all the rest of it. So there you go. evidence right there. <laughs> there you go. So it makes sense even to an outsider. But like if you're watching it and you and you are doubly invested, I mean, I, I consider fight myself and I, I couldn't argue with it. Like I, maybe I should rewatch it myself. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, the last time I enjoyed the tag match this much, it was Young Bucks against Golden Lovers. It was the, I had that same yeah. feeling watching that match as I did watching this match. And yeah, everything made sense. As you said, JP, there's, they were, they were three dimensional characters. It wasn't as simple as, you know, the young books are the bad guys or, you know, like you said, Hangman Page is the bad guy and he's gone to turn. Everybody in this match had a reason for what they wanted to do. And everyone in this match meant something. And it was just, you know, you could, if you're a Hangman Page fan, you can get behind him and you can understand why he's telling Kenny to go for the backs of the books. It all makes sense. You're rewarded for paying attention. And yeah, it was just an absolute work of art. Yeah. And I would say, watch it again, even if, and it's not anything about ratings per se. It's just watching what, it's very hard to think of, certainly in recent, within this century, really, of of a better tag match than this. Just because of, and again, it's that level of storytelling as well. It's the build. It's so much stuff to this. And like you say, people could watch this cold as well. Mm. And it doesn't lose anything on second viewing at all. It's I think just it was, as easy as what for me it was better. Yeah, like, it was more like oh my god on first viewing and on yeah. second viewing. Yeah, there were little nuances. You don't get lost in the moment as much, do you? Yeah, I, I was sort of noticing little moments I didn't see in the first mm-hmm. one. Listened to the commentary a bit more, which I thought was excellent. Yeah, some of the best. It was some of the best commentary I think JR's done in years. Yeah, anything. And I've not been high on JR oh. at all. He had one little moment where he was going going on about tags. And I was like, fuck you, JR, you're not taking me out of this. And after that, he was on his best behaviour. But you're right, like this was as good as he's been. Yeah, and what I'll say for this as well is when you can engage in some in, in conflict and it feels like the conflict feels, you can suspend your disbelief and watch the conflict unfold. There's nothing better. And this felt like there was genuine conflict. Mm. That just the little parts of the match, like the selling, like the way that Hangman Page was reacting to Nick Jackson, like Nick Jackson's kind of um, regret and kind of that moment of thought as he does the triple suplex spot yeah. on the ramp. Mm. Like just watching him after each suplex, make that expression, and then look at the sort of, what is it, like the sort of metal bit behind him when he does that last suplex. Yeah. And sort of think, shit, I've done two on this ramp. That's hard. This is even harder. Am I going to do uphill as well? Which, yeah. I am. Yeah. Ah, oh, just amazing. Oh, his face. That, the spot they did on the outside yeah. as well. Also, that table spot they led to. I loved how Omega stopped. Yes. Uh, Page. I think it was Nick, wasn't it? Yeah. And Nick through that table, and then later on in the match, he manages to pay it off by putting him through a table as the match mm. kind of takes off and unfolds. It's just paying off spots in matches that were teased earlier mm-hmm. that you go back to, like. But with a layer to it as mm-hmm. well, because there's a depth to why he's doing it and what he's feeling at that moment in time. Just awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. Can I just say as well, uh, Omega, I thought was amazing this as well. His explosiveness on these comebacks are so good. Mm-hmm. Like this is the last week or so, Omega is well and truly found his form again mm. and this combination with page I, I can't believe how good it is like i love the golden lovers 
I'm enjoying this more than I ever enjoyed the Golden Lovers. Paige hitting the one-winged angel. Oh, I was going to say, that's, that's my favourite moment of the match. That's it. From the match that yeah. is just coming back to me as I'm talking about it. Yeah. Just, oh, so much great stuff in there. I wanted that to be the finish. For him Same. to get... Yeah. When it wasn't, though, it was still great. It's still a great element of the story. And it allows you to continue thinking, ah, you know, Hangman, Hangman and um, and Omega, they're still not all there. There's still like that, that little element of uh, of rivalry. That I love that. I thought that was just genius. Well, there were those couple of moments with his shoulder where he played in like one of the times he was going for a, um, a pinfall and he oh, couldn't quite yeah, get yeah. on top quickly enough because of the shoulder. And that was but the, the fact they were taking the strapping off. And yeah. They were going brutal on Kenny as well, which leads to him being conflicted afterwards. He's meant to be mates of them and he's not doing yeah. that to them. I mean, he gets angry with them ripping his moves off and all the rest of it. Just fucking awesome. Just everything. To, and, and one thing we even haven't mentioned is after the match as well, the reactions, the fact that this isn't the end. Mm. And, and I have to say, it was a brilliant tease. The way you see him back on the rope. Mm. Yeah, did you see what I saw? I saw that too. That's, you don't need to do anything more than that. And really how I felt about this afterwards was, A, like, thank God they didn't take the belts off Paige and Omega. That's, this needs to be like and this is one of the other things we're going to come on to in terms of where the world title can go on this later on i kind of think a rematch of this headlining the next pay-per-view two out of three four yeah. something oh, if, like if that moxley wasn't winning the belt this should have gone on last i yeah i would say it but do you know what that double or nothing i would do that because you're going to go right this is the best match in the world and we're doing it again you build it like it's it's your kenny versus okada this is the yeah, series yeah, that yeah. you can have where you go this is that killer series to establish. This is feud of the year if they keep going with it and they get it right. Yeah. The, the other thing I'll say for it as well is, yeah, if they, if they go come back and main event with this, you main event with the tag team titles like in 2020. This is something I've wanted to see for years. Yeah. Like I just think this is something that you could have done years ago if you put mm. money and you actually put some uh, proper thought into tag team wrestling. And it would be so cool to see a headline. One thing I'll say for Paige as well, the one-winged angel. Sorry to go back to that spot. Mm, no, great spot. I wish it was the I wish it was the three, because you could play off it when Omega mm. and Paige eventually face each other. Mm. If Paige starts using the one-winged angel <laughs> to win matches, like there are so many cool spots you could do with that. If he always hits it and always gets a pinfall, but uses it sparingly, I thought that they kind of I, I get getting his finisher over, yeah, and using the buckshot and because te- he's teasing the buckshot at the end. But I don't know, just establishing it as another finisher for Paige when you lead into those Omega matches whenever they're going to be I think that would have been really cool for the most part I would say I would I would agree with that I actually now as a result of this I've got renewed faith in mm. him being able to do it properly and still reward that and just figure we can push this for the year yeah yeah. and it sounds mad to say Kenny Omega in a tag team for the guts of the year fuck yeah, it do it this is this is doing more for him. And he's going to be fresh. When he enters that title yeah. seat, he's going to feel fresh again. Yeah. Mm. And think how hot guys can feel. Yeah. When they're coming out of a tag team and get re-entering a singles we, division. We what, spoke about this. Sorry, Benno. No, go on. What are you going to say? I was just going to say, like, one of the, you know, we're very reverential about tag team wrestling on, on this show. And mm. we spoke about kind of the happiness of New Japan going in this direction of kind of, you know, that they're doing with Golden Ace as well just like these kind of, you know, investing in that tag team and making it headline. I mean, Jesus Christ. I want to see, again, it'll be great when Lucha Brothers are in the mix. Again, well, again with these guys. The <laughs> I know, no, they have been. But you think of the other tag teams they've got around there they didn't really focus on. So with Santana and Ortiz and the rest of it. They're, they're, this is a stacked tag team division, but I won't like, I just want more of 
these two teams facing each other again yeah. after that. Yeah, yeah. So that two out of three falls, I didn't think of that as, mm. a, as an option. But yeah, you're on maybe an Iron Man. Yeah, mm. maybe you play off some stuff. Do an hour. Back. I also wonder as well, and I couldn't believe the Bucks were getting booed. Like I was kind of amazed it was mm. happening. With what with this being like, I suppose AEW is like their home crowd, if anything, mm. isn't it? Sort of Rock Hogan vibe to some mm-hmm. extent. Not as vocal, not as uh, rabid in that respect. But are they going to play into that? Are they going to go full heel as well? Is what I was wondering. I'd be fine with what that. I'll, what I'd say is it's quite weird because I think they've reacted and the guys running the company reacted organically yeah. to stuff because the, the long-term plan surely was never to put Paige and Omega in a tag team and have this happen. I don't think the long-term plan was to have Paige do a drinking gimmick either. <laughs> but it's happened and they've kind of gone, right, let's go with it. He's getting over. He's the hottest of the four of us which is just bizarre, yeah. but kind of cool at the same time because they've got him over mm. and it's worked. So I just wonder whether the Bucks are going to have the balls to go full heel at some point and where that leads to what they do with that. Do they have to cheat to win the tag mm-hmm. titles eventually and then they then they go that route? Uh, yeah, where does this go? Do the Elite become a heel faction with Omega, turn on Page at some point? There's so many options. Well, so it's coming up. Uh, I hope they don't execute it too early because mm. I think they've made that mistake and we're going to go on to it in a minute, I assume, yeah. with the Cody MJF stuff. And I think that's a huge mistake they made there um, long term. So I'm hoping they let this one play out for a good while. Yeah, I think it, it's interesting that like I, I, part of me thinks, I wonder if, you know, they were thinking when they put this together a few months ago, you know, this is the show where the Young Bucks win the titles finally. But I love yeah. that, whether that was the plan or not, they've, like you said, they've seen how over Hangman Page got. And essentially this match was built around him and it was built around his strengths and he came out of it, you know, as over as the other three when, remember when they launched and they were going with Hangman Page as the number one contender and we were all kind of scratching our head and going, ah, you're making a mistake here, lads. He's not ready for that spot. Like, this is the right way to go with Hangman Page, to get him over, to give him something interesting to do, to sink his teeth into. And I love that, yeah, you know, they, they haven't, you know, they haven't blown the loads and there's plenty of places they can go with this. And yeah, I'd absolutely hang fire. I think I would go mm-hmm. with the Young Bucks as a heel team. I think that's something, it'd be interesting to see if they can do it long term. Maybe you could even go with Kenny, but I... I I like the fact that I don't know which way they're going to go. Any of the people in this could turn. None of them could turn. But it's going to be a great three months watching it happen. Exactly. I'm sold. We're all sold on where this goes next. And that's kind of the point. And that's Definitely. what they've done. Definitely. This, this is my match of the year at the moment. Number one on our match of the year list. Mm. Yeah. Well, do we have any tag teams in our top 10 countdown? I don't think we did, did we? A tag team matches from last year? Mm. No, no, I don't think we did. Not even, not did. even honourable mentions. I can't think of anything. No, I'm trying to think of the no. last like truly great tag match. I loved a few years ago the DIY versus Gargano mm. and Champ. No, sorry, um, revival matches. Mm, I thought yeah. the one they had in Toronto was oh, a fucking oh, yeah. awesome match. Oh, well, imagine when they get oh. moved into this when they turn up. Them are the young bucks. Revival. Oh, yeah, yeah, fuck me. They're they're the minute trying to trademark loads of stuff. Aren't yeah, they? top guys and things like that. Yeah, no flips, just fits the fists, the mechanics, stuff like mm. that they're trying to do as oh. well. Which, yeah, that's going to be great. But then this is, and I think the reason why there was no tag, I mean, this is the first tag team wrestling really having stakes mm. on every level, not just titles, like, and not just, and, and something more complex than a, than a blood feud. Yeah. 
you know, this is this is the reason why I think this really resonated with all, with everyone who watched it. Mm. I remember speaking to Gareth about it on the morning as well, and it was like, there is one match you're gonna love. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, and I kind of, I just wanted him to say because I kind of knew which match that was, mm. and then when I saw it, and I was like, Jesus, and then I saw the grapple average, and I was like, fucking hell, <laughs> like yeah. The other thing they got right as well is. Think about how we've sort of had criticisms. I think you more so than anyone better of that mm. sort of cliched NXT style. Yeah. Where Looking at they sort of started overdoing the kind of cliched, like conflicted story based <laughs> stuff yeah. over and over to the point they've just worn it out. This got it completely right. Yeah. Like this, this got it at the right level and it understood the kind of meaning, the pathos that that long-term build, a lot of the stuff had kind of had with these guys and they didn't overdo it. Mm. Like, I think there is a point and a line where you can overdo this stuff. Oh yeah. And I think these guys nailed it. They got it exactly right. Like, I think you've got like, I think the bucks as wrestlers can often get so underrated. Like when I see people saying they're the most overrated tag team of all time, thinking, I, can't, I don't know if there's been a better team in the US in the last 20 years. Mm. Who, like, who was the last great US team before the Young Bucks? Briscoes, um, but they don't have these high-level matches. I, I don't think they're anywhere near. I think the Not Briscoes this. have been stale for years. I think they've got good matches that are up there, and I think Not they're good level. wrestlers, but they're nowhere close to this. We saw a great match at your call between against the, the Young Bucks. Yeah, the I, I saw them wrestle in um, Milwaukee, Wisconsin as well <laughs> against one another. That was a fucking awesome match as well. <laughs> I, I think it's been good and the man MSG star, like to remind you of like you're gonna see the Briscoes tonight. Yeah, but I'm talking like when you think <laughs> classic taxis. <laughs> but I love the Hardy Boys. Yeah. They don't have matches like this. Spot matches yeah. like, like were great. I loved Edge and Christian, but they were together like two years. Yeah. Like uh, who can you put up there with this? Yeah. Really? And, and the beauty of it is that like going forward, uh, I might say, well, the, you might be able to say that about the revival. They did get a good run in AEW. The other tag teams AEW are pushing. That's what's beautiful about this, that we've got hopefully we're mm-hmm. in for, for you know years of great tag team matches like this with meaning, with story, um, you know, with, with everything, with a company behind it and willing to push it. Like, yeah, we th- this might just be the start of something, which is something, like you said, wrestling's been calling out for. Yep, it has. Like, we need big, big tag team divisions, and uh, long may this kind of stuff continue. And I'm still gutted we've not got that Young Bucks Rock and Roll Express or Dark. I thought we were going to get some. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was a perfect Dark match. You don't have to put it on Dynamite, but yeah, that should have been done at some point. Um, but yeah, again, great average on Grapple of 4.76. I mean, yeah, I can't. It's going to be up there, top 10 of the ma- matches of the year, end of year, and it's going to be at the top, I think, of a lot of people's lists, and it sounds like you two, too. Unfortunately, they had to follow it with more stuff. And this is the problem yeah. with a match like this isn't your main event. I mean, it was going to be shite anyway, but the girls didn't have a chance. Nyla Rose and Chris Statlander. I can't imagine we're going to spend a long time on this one. Like, it's night and day as far as grapple average. 2.26 for these two. I went 1.75. The AW women's division just is never happening for me in general. But, you know, I, can't, I don't know if it's even fair to have those criticisms at this point because they had no chance in this spot. It just wasn't happening. Yeah, I went one and a half on this. Um, yeah, I was 1.75 as well. Yeah, it, it didn't stand a chance. And I was watching this thinking about the match that I'd previously seen. Yeah. That really, that's honestly how I come with it. Whilst also, in terms of you're doing a, a comparison between how fluid the tag match was 
and seeing Chris Statlander look kind of uneasy in her footing at points, and how she was even running some of the spots. Nyla, in and of herself, has kind of improved her kind of feeling a lot more confident on TV as from that opening week. But that only works if you've got someone good in there with her to do that. And they have, that's the problem that who in there is going to be able to do it. You don't really want to go back to her and Rio again as a third rubber match. But really for this kind of a show, that probably would have been a better example. What's happened to Jamie Hayter? She was looking pretty good in there, I mm. thought. And then she's kind of disappeared. She's been yeah. around for months. Maybe the Havoc split, uh, you know, has put her in Tone's bad book. Or <laughs> I hope not. But for this one, I'll be honest with you. I'd be telling him, mind his own fucking business. He's not Vince. Don't do any of that weird shit. And it's Getting yourself so involved in other people's relationships. Jamie Hayter's got more to offer than Jimmy Havoc at this yeah. point in time, let's be honest. But, but this is the problem they've got. It's just how weak... And we go from a tag team division of strength to the women's division, which is which is very weak. And especially not having those kind of experienced workers for for someone like Nyla Rose to When's be in there Asuka's with. When's contract up? I don't know. When's Io Shirai's contract up? It's hard to see, unless they're offering big main event money. You would have thought someone like Sasha Banks, but I think she she's re-signed. under contract for years. Yeah, they've, they've all re-signed. And in that case, if they're, you know, they they would have had the potential to kind of sort of really go and run with a division It'd be good like if, like, this. Ronda Rousey was a massive Jacksonville Jaguars fan or something, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> or, really, or really liked Fulham. Really liked Fulham. Yeah, yeah. yeah. being a Fulham fan. Really? I think she'd be more like a Man City fan or something, wouldn't she? <laughs> That's where the money would be. Yeah, yeah. I could see that. <laughs> I was going to say for this one, I won't lie, um, during the tag match, I had a big wash that was on. It finished during the tag match. I knew I had to hang it out. I was thinking about the tag match, putting the washing out on the <laughs> on the uh, air in the front room, and I was barely paying attention to it because the tag match before this was just on my mind. Yeah, yeah. It, so yeah, it was, it was kind of a. I feel sorry for them. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't deserve to be put in that position, but someone had to, and I, yeah. I don't think it should have been those guys. I really don't. I think they drew the short straw, yeah. and there was some other shy you could have put. You could position. have done a. This is where you put your. Your very short Dustin Rhodes Hager. Yeah, I think that should have gone there. I, I even think Pack and Orange Cassidy could have done a job in that yeah. slot. And still I think got they could have followed that anything. Slot. We'll talk about that when yeah. we get to that match. But that, I mean, that yeah. that could have followed anything. That thing, it was so different, and so it was like light relief, wasn't it? It might have been a nice palate cleanser. Mm. But yeah, you missed nothing. So I'm having a swig of oval thing. <laughs> of course, <laughs> living the gimmick. How many is that today, Jake? Very much on brand. Yeah. <laughs> number two. Number three. I'll, I'll take that sweet. I uh, know this is the first one of the night. Oh, okay. I had a cup of tea beforehand, but yeah, no. <laughs> first one, probably the last one of the night. What about the day? I've had none. Oh, okay. I haven't oh, had yeah. any. Okay. Just tea. <laughs> cool. Not loads and loads of tea. Turkish tea? No, you can see the tea bags up there. Oh, that's quite a haul of tea bags. That's three, four tea bags, including one for yourself, <laughs> so... You got a cup of tea there, Benno, beside you? Uh, I had a coffee before we, we started. I'll be having a chamomile tea before I go to bed, JP, don't you no. worry. All right. <laughs> Live with a gimmick. Bloody. No hot water, though. No hot water. Uh, chamomile tea before bed? <laughs> Very cultured, man. Anyway. Oh, nice bedtime tea. Uh, well, up next, I mean, I was looking forward to talking this one because I think I'm going to have a slightly... I don't know if I've got a hugely different view than you guys, but I think I've got a slightly different one. MJF and Cody, because I were I if I'd have watched this live, 
Although I think I was going in with the highest possible expectations. Unfortunately, I had to watch it two days spoiled on a delay. And I ended up going in with the lowest possible expectations because, my God, the vitriol I seen towards this match. So it kind of maybe changed the way I framed the match when I watched it. Um, mm. I was desperate to watch it either way. And I was even more desperate to watch it once I'd seen how badly it was doing in some circles. Grapple's interesting because it's got a 3.29 average. But you'll see people giving it, you know, going as high as four and a half to going as low as to one and two stars. It's a. Are they like those mad fuckers that give like Pete Dunjoe coffee? Or like, <laughs> it's like that again, isn't Paul it? Paul Ross in the Sun giving Jason X four stars and <laughs> anger management with Nicholson and Sandler five stars. Like you're like what? Is this like a paid for review or something? Like well, people have been taking backhanders to give this four and a half stars. It's, or something. it's interesting though because I like. I mean, speaking of backhanders, like Meltzer loved it, Alvarez loved it, John Pollock loved it, and then the vast majority of people I engaged with online all hated it. What really can I trust? It's obviously not being on Twitter and all the rest of it. What sort of stuff has been said about it? Because all I've heard, I when I had Meltzer and Alvarez talking, about, mm. I was like, what? And then everyone I've spoken to about it mm. has been like fucking shit yeah that basically and just overthought overbooked i think will was saying about like you know this is interesting that you know cody does this when he's not in there with his brother or in there with somebody he's in there with somebody you know of a skill of mjf uh just generally though it has just been it was too long they lost the crowd they overthought it that's what i've seen in general but i am interested with did you two land on it i've not seen your grapple ratings so i went two and a half oh wow um for this my initial rating i, thought I you... went oh go on now go on no no that's fine what, what, what did you give it i went 2.75 i mean i I, it, I just thought about it a bit more and i spoke about it a bit more I spoke about the jp spoke about a couple of people via text and was like you know what i think it's even worse than that i think oh, i've been wow. generous i put i remarked this in the tag match remarked how much to five and i remarked this to two like i think this was an abomination of a match that they got completely wrong, and the warning signs were there when that shite live performance came on, and oh, Cody came God. out with one of the worst tattoos I've <laughs> ever seen in my life. Yeah, and what has he done to himself? Like I was like, I, that's one of them transfer tattoos. It's mm. temporary. Fuck me, that's a mark. Like I tell you what, he needs to do one of them. Like I don't know, former gang members do. If you're in like the Bloods of the Crips, and you mm. come out of prison a reform man and get one of them people to take your tattoos off one of them guns get that done asap oh tone puts the bill for it as well because that is so bad like sounds awful i've loved cody it's put me off him <laughs> I, I, I don't know how i can like invest when like he just looks like such a geek with that tattoo he looks like optimus prime like get it on the other peck he's got the dream tattoo get it yeah. on the other peck or get it below it or something like i've seen people say it. that brand brandy say- doesn't like it Oh, doesn't she? I don't blame she said her. <laughs> yep, she's just like, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't get it. And it's like, you're not wrong. It looks like the shit makeup they made her wear in the Nightmare Collective or whatever it is. It's probably a bad reminder of that shit. I- I've seen people say that, though. Like, they were ready to pull for Cody. And then he walked out like that. And downstate... But I'll get into to, to my rating. Downstate were terrible. The tattoo was terrible. Brandy dancing was terrible. I kind of enjoyed Arn Anderson doing the throat slash. I kind of enjoyed, you know, about having the stable of all his mates, but like it was very much Cody living up to, you know, his worst cosplaying as Paul Levesque dreams in a lot of ways, this big entrance. And mm. I think the the tattoo is like a is a real good example of like that just 
Yeah, really. It's a bad tattoo. A part of me, can't, I can't, to be honest, I kind of enjoy how finished Cody is. And just, it's pure ego, isn't it? Like, it is pure ego. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he thinks he can get away with it. It's going to cost him work. Like, is he really going to be, if he's, is he, he was talk, talking about transitioning into acting, wasn't he, at some point? Like, God help you, mate, with that thing on your neck. But I don't know, I, I think I, I, I kind of, I watched it with a different attitude because I was like, I knew it was coming and I didn't just turn it on and then there he was with the dumb tattoo. I was kind of watching it knowing the dumb tattoo was coming and kind of just laughing at it because it was so Triple H, the whole entrance. Like, I, I I was just, yeah, it was just something else. The the whole spectacle from, from right there until he rang the bell was just, oh my God, Cody Rhodes, like you're pushing it here, mate. You, yeah, you, you're talking about some red flags. The tattoo, my initial <laughs> thought was, I hope that's washable. I hope that's like one of the washable ones I had as a kid because that's, that's awful. Yeah, not one of the like Thundercats yeah. tattoos I put on myself as a little kid or something. I will, I will say there was a very funny program on Channel Four a while back about people who were like trying to get like tattoos they regret. Like, is it tattoo fixers? I think it is, and that was bloody good fun. Yeah, I think I, I think I had a student review it. Yeah, one of their pieces of work, your documentary, if I'm right. But uh, my, my mm. mate Gary got his um he got um Gary in Thai tattooed in his neck. 18 in Thailand and he became a teacher he got it removed he paid a few oh. good few quid for it but Brandy should be marching Cody down <laughs> to bloody tattoo fixing no clinic. fucking around and getting that off immediately I thought it was worth than that tattoo fixers program I watched because I immediately thought of it and I thought the guy who had the word Japs tattooed on his eyelid as in Japs eye and he was just <laughs> oh, like wow. and he was just like I feel so awful about this he's been feeling it for years wow. he did it was drunk also racist but like there's it's just the only person yeah I've seen put a neck tattoo off is david beckham and that man can pull anything off and you know what That's i what love him said. so much i'd even pull him off myself <laughs> yeah. so um but yeah there was like red flags yeah the tattoo the fact that your baby face is coming out with a fuck ton of people is never really a good look when you're coming out against like where you've got the younger guy who's up there with his with the one bloke beside him. And I, I don't I never think that's actually naturally a good look. He's got some jobbers there though, mate. Yeah. That's but then there was that the downstate theme was <laughs> so, so fucking bad. I was just laughing. It was <laughs> it was you had the fake tan all over MJF, which I know can sort of play into some things, oh, but it was so like, bad I, to put that on JP. Like it he was, needs he needs some tips we, here. We said about this, this is like matching with someone on tinder and you can see that they've got an only ju- god can judge tattoo or something like that some sort of inspirational quote quote it's a red flag it's something to kind of go right we need to get to the bottom of this sooner rather than later yeah I and think... it never went up from there for me and i'd say after it for the most part really thoughts bored yeah really bored i ended up on my phone if i end up on my phone during a match of this stature that tells you everything. I was texting my brother and JP during this, saying, mm-hmm. like, what the fuck is this? Like, this is just, like, bad. Mm-hmm. Like, really bad. And I think, for me as well, Cody has got kind of everything pretty much nailed on right so far in AEW. Mm-hmm. I, he's allowed a miss. Okay. Yeah, I he think is. he was maybe due a miss as well. 
he got this so spectacularly wrong with the presentation. And he's been so good with the presentation since the start of the promotion. Um, I just hope he recovers from it because I've really enjoyed him. I just don't want that cage match to kind of be the peak of him. And you think about it. He got a match out of Wardlow, a real emotional roller coaster of a match. But I think that they really thought about what Wardlow was. They worked around his strengths. They worked around the few spots that he could pull off. And they let Cody stand out and let him do all the emotional stuff. Here, I think they massively overestimate MJF. I'll be completely honest. I, I, I've kind of been expecting this to happen. Like I've had, my, I've had real doubts about mm. MJF for a good while. I've never thought he was up to it. I'll be honest. I really think he's quite overrated. And I sort of mentioned it a few weeks ago, and you guys seemed a little bit shocked by it. But I was sort of waiting for this big match to see how he worked. It was more it. about the promos than the work so, in the ring. Yeah, I think there have been some really, some really good promo segments that mm. he's been involved in. But I don't think he's as like blow away as people think he is as a wrestler cutting a promo. To me, his promos suit someone that should be in like a manager's position. So my brother made a point and said, he's Larry Sweeney but he's allowed to wrestle seriously in big matches. And Larry Sweeney was ever put in this position in, say, Ring of Honor. And I was like, that is a great comparison. For me, he's got the gift of the gab at that sort of level, and he would be great. He'd be great in like a Paul E position with a, his own dangerous alliance, I think. Gift of the gab, kicking off a little bit, giving it out. In the ring, I think he offers absolutely nothing. You can't get away in 2020 with being Roddy Piper. I think Roddy Piper is... I've said Macho Man's overrated. I think Roddy Piper's the most overrated wrestler maybe ever. I've enjoyed one Roddy Piper match ever, and that was the genius work of Bret Hart in that one. Yeah, and it is a fucking amazing match as well. And, you know, a finish that was used over and over for years and played off from the rest of it. But I just, I never got Roddy Piper. When I was watching, like, old Nitros in 97, I was like, why the fuck did they give this guy a go? Is he that much of a ratings draw in 97? Because he is fucking shit, and his promos are terrible. And when I watch MJF sometimes, I think to myself in the ring, if you're studying Roddy Piper, I don't think you can get away with that in 2020 because you've got to back it up. You have to back it up if you're going to be in these big positions. And he didn't bring any heat to the occasion in the ring. I thought his offense was like, I understand being basic, but I look at someone like a Stone Cold. I understand it's completely different. It's a completely different sort of character. But in terms of being economical and getting so much out of so little, Austin, for me, is the best example of somebody who was able to do that. Mm. But MJF as a heel was doing that, and he just got—he doesn't have a lot to him in the ring at all. There was no real heat that he was generating. He wasn't putting any sympathy on the baby face in a serious way. That blade job came out of nowhere. I thought the structure mm. of this was really weird. I, I didn't think he was great at selling as like a cowardly heel in the match either. Where was the heat in the middle? I, I just thought he Where was... Where was the wild brawl? And this is when I bring it back to the Darby Allen Sam... Sorry to interrupt. That's the, all right, mate. That Darby Allen Sammy Guevara um, comment when they had the brawl on the outside. I was thinking, like, when watching that, why wasn't that the opening to this? Where they were going more or less all around the arena and MJF's running away, like, because he's finally being caught up to. At times, they were having a match. Mm. And that was the one thing that I don't think this could be. Yeah, the, it felt needlessly sort of nervy at times as well. Mm-hmm. And it didn't. It, it wasn't that sort of match. It was not an Akada Omega where you have like a feed and out process. It's a match that they need to go fucking wild. Get the yeah. fucking cowbow out. Yeah. Like, batter him with that. And some of the story stuff in there, I just felt, I don't know, it seemed more contrived. I just, I wasn't into it in any way at all. And I really think they need to 
I don't think they will because they put they've invested so much in it, put so much stock in it. But I think MJF needs real assessment as a talent, and they need to think about what they're going to get out of him long term, and whether they pushed him way too early and expected way too much out of someone who just is not ready for the spot they put him in. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that because I think MJF, you, you know, you're giving the, you know what he's like. He reminds me of like Mike Sanders in WCW, like that. That's kind of my comparison <laughs> for him because Mike Sanders could never above average. Him, Mike Sanders. Oh yeah, what a promo though. I book him in all my EWR games as this top heel, and then I put him in the ring and he wouldn't be able to deliver. Like we're a hundred percent agree, and I agree with a lot of what you said. MJF absolutely need he's one of those wrestlers who needs to be working outside of AEW and it does seem like he's one of the guys who was doing more indies than others up until mm. recently he was doing MLW as well which I think was good yep. for him it's a real shame he's kind of stopped working there as well because he needs reps yeah. and I think I think where I absolutely agree is he I, I kind of understand the temptation on probably Cody's part to go straight to this because, you know, he does rate him as a talker. And I think I do rate him as a higher talker than you, than you do, Joe. But I think they, they've kind of seen that and they've just thought, ah, oh, we can't avoid it. We've got to go with him. Whereas I would have preferred for mm. him to be in the mid-cards, with, let's say, Darby Allen, like for a while. Mm. And maybe we'll get there eventually with MJF. Uh, at the same time, though, like, I don't get me wrong, I'm not throwing roses at it. I think I'm higher on the match than both of you. Like, I went 3.75 in the end. Uh, on this thing uh, I think that's I don't think that's a, I mean I've, I've got Dave Velter I've got Brian Elvis I've got John Pollock on my side so I'm quite happy with giving it that but I think maybe part of it is the fact that I suppose I didn't have the temptation to go off on my phone I was watching this on, on a plane uh, fully watching it and I think it was the absolutely the lower end of what I was hoping for with this match I think there was a better I think they made bad decisions in the match they made bad decisions, but they, it, mm. I still enjoyed it, but they made bad decisions. Like I'd say, you know, I enjoyed some of the, the boot stuff. I enjoyed MJF biting Cody's feet as, as silly as that was. I didn't enjoy, like you said, the blade job. But I think it was supposed to have come from Cody and the disaster kick with no boot on. And what? That, that doesn't make any sense, does it? Like I, I was watching it thinking, have I missed something here? Like what? Same as you. Why is he bleeding? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. I thought, you know... Was he having fucking acupuncture underneath <laughs> the boot, was he? Maybe, maybe that's what it is. And there were things like that where, you know, I liked, but it was like, nah, you could have done this better. You know, the Arn Anderson stuff with Brandy. In principle, I liked him. You could have done that better. Crody grabbing the weightlifting belt and using it as a weapon and the referee just being fine with it. Like that, I don't mind that as a spot as long as you establish a bit further. Like, you know, MJF does it before, pushes the referee to his last tether and he's willing to look the other way. It just felt a bit overthought. And I think yeah. I still enjoyed it. I was still into it. I think going with the story of, you know, the 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 story of Cody dominating, like like you said, MJF isn't the best on offense. So they, they kind of went with him selling the entire match, which he's not perfect at either. Uh, and they went with that story instead of the more obvious uh, story with, with MJF on top. I wonder whether maybe that's concern about him controlling a match for the longest time. But at the same time, I did get what they were doing. They were trying to have it like, this is the match where Cody gets his revenge. Cody gets to dominate the match. Cody batters him. Cody hits you know, his finisher two or three times before Eight eventually... Minutes. What's that? Eight minutes. Why outstay your welcome? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and they went with that... And then they had 
you know, the, the the idea was against the runner play. MJF, you know, uses the the the, the ring, gets the punch, and gets the win completely oh. against the runner play. You're getting your you're getting your enjoyable moment where Cody's getting all his revenge. But at the end of the day, the MJ the, the heel stays on top, and can you know, and we can go to further matches. I like the idea of us going to extending this feud. I like some elements of that idea and of that match. But, I, you know, mm. I could net like 3.75 is probably a ceiling for this one because, yeah, I, I honestly think a, another structure, we could have been talking about this as a four, four and a half, even higher. I do think oh, mate, I don't match. think MJF's there. I don't think he's there to, to get a match to that level I think at all. I Cody's, think he's missing so much. I think Cody's you know, good honest- enough, though. I think Cody's good, Cody's good enough at pulling people into his matches. And that was a real weird anomaly in this, that. that the crowd went as with it as I was expecting in the middle of the match. And I think that's mm. layout. I think with a better layout, yeah. I think you can better mask MJF's problems. And again, you know, I gave it 3.75. I did still enjoy it, but I am, you know, I'm not blind to the issues with the match. And yeah, the, the fact that I just think there was a, a better way to go than this. Yeah, I think as well, um, the the ending with that ring, mm. like, it just killed the crowd to some extent. Like, I thought to myself, that ring isn't kind of visible enough and doesn't look like yeah. it's got the same. Yeah. Like, it's like that Champa Gargano finish with the belt the other day. Like, at least, say, Regal, when he was using the brass knucks as a gimmick, there was, a, like, a you know, a shining gold on the knucks. Well, exactly. And you'd see it if you were in the crowd. God, when they were obvious. using a handbag back in the day and yeah, stuff like that, yeah. you could easily go with the... There's a brick in there. Yeah. Things like, like that. It's something about that ring as well. Just It felt kind of wrong. And it just, I don't know. It just, it didn't sit right with me. I, hmm. Can I just make a point as well, right? And you're going to think I'm ridiculous here, Benno. Another thing MJF sort of reminds me of is the whole like hype around him. And I've always been a bit skeptical about it. And I've not fully seen it. I think the promos are good, but they're good at a level. They're not to me main event promos. I don't connect with them in that manner that makes me think main eventer. I'll be honest, even the, the the whipping segment the other day, I was like, it's good, but I'm not sold on MJF and the way he's doing it. There's, I don't know if it's just me, but there's just something that I'm not engaging and I'm not getting at that level. And it, oh, might, come later, it mm-hmm. might come later on. But he reminds me, if I'm honest, of how I felt, and you're going to think I'm ridiculous for saying this, <laughs> seven years ago when people were telling me how amazing Bray Wyatt was and how amazing <laughs> this gimmick was, and how he was going to be the next best heel in wrestling, and these amazing promos. And MJF, to me, is a much better promo than Bray Wyatt, because he's at least making a point in his promos, and he's not going, wow, I found a style. I'll just say stuff in this style. It doesn't matter what I say, because I'll just execute the style, and I'm going to go, wow. He does say stuff, and mm. it works, and he works the crowd with his promos as well. So he's a much better promo in that respect. But when I'm watching him, I'm getting the same thing. I'm like, I can't see what this guy's doing in the ring that's given me anything. I can't see that there's anything to play with it in the ring that is making me want, going to be excited to watch his matches. And once I've seen a match and that, that's been exposed and you've not delivered in that match, that's when I lose interest. I just can't see that I'm going to have the same level of interest in this feud now um, as a result of this match. And as a result, I think of MJF being completely exposed. The, only, the main thing I would say is he's ridiculously young. No, and, I agree. And, and there agree. are, and there is, like, whereas with someone like a Wyatt, we've and seen. And he's in the wrong system. Thing. And he is in, but in, in the wrong system as well. But needs to go and work well. more places. And, and, a point, and this is the point. They're not going to let him because he's a star. Here. Well, in a different era, there would have been him doing house show loops in tags with him and Wardlow versus the Rhodes brothers. 
that would have been a thing that would have been going on there and they would have worked out there would have been a lot of kinks in there you would have had him in there with you know those good solid hands sort he of needs building a match up with Dustin and he does need that and I think you know he needs a lot of that and because his work for me isn't up to a, a main event is nowhere near a main event heel level yeah. you, you see that me. when they, when they throw him on TV like how often have they put him on matches on TV they know they know they know. That, they, they know that he's the promo guy and I'm definitely you know it's clear I'm higher on his promos than you John I'm probably higher on his upsides um, mm-hmm. you know they can go well, I, don't I think still he, think it's there I don't think he's my sort of wrestler sure yeah. I like wrestlers that can really really back it up in the ring that go out there and work and really mm. learn how to work yeah. so when they come to that stage they can do it mm. and I've become used to that I, I just find it hard when someone's pushed above their level to invest in them look at my reactions to Jay White yeah. I just can't invest because I don't believe mm. and he's he's pushed way above the level of his of his work and his and his ability at this point in time and it's not as ridiculous of MJF as it is with Jay White but it's a it's a problem I have with being able to actually switch off and go right because I look at it and I go if I was watching a football match right and I had a choice of putting I don't know um, this prospect who isn't quite there yet, um, but is going to be there in a few years out there. Mm. Or I could play, I don't know, um, as a Saints fan, Danny Ings. So I could play Michael Obafemi or Danny Ings every week. Who am I going to play? I want Ings to be starting every week. As much as Obafemi's looking good, great finish against West Ham on the weekend and JP Smiley, because <laughs> he's an Ireland player. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I just think of it in that, in that sort of context. And, why do I want to see MJF in this position? Why do I want to see Jay White in this position when there are guys who are ready to be in that position right now? That That's how I always see it. Mm. Yeah, I, I can't argue too hard with that. I mean, it's, and, and like you, you said at the start there, it's, it's a, you know, this is a, your kind of wrestler. Like, and I think for me, he's someone who, He's, he's different, and maybe the part of the reason is he's different is he's not one of those great bell-to-bell guys that, that you're going to love. But he's different in that if he, was, if he gets moulded by the right people and the right people give him some help in being different but being better than he's been. Like, here's a point. Like, I like this thing, obviously, you know, a whole star more than both of you guys. Like, I liked it, but I would say this is the best MJF match I've seen. And I think you guys who didn't like it would probably say... This is the best MJF match you've seen. I think that probably puts the uh, the arguments yeah. into context there, I doesn't it? The Jungle Boy match was better, but I thought MJF was shit in the match. I thought it was just uh, a Jungle Boy showcase, and he was quite good at bumping for a bit. I, I still think the best MJF match I've seen was him versus El Phantasma. Oh, your cool, yeah. Um, and that was, you know, and he was more or less a base for El Phantasma, yeah. really, for that. So, which it was so it's obviously structurally very just that bit different as well but mm. yeah. well, like I said grapple average on it is 3.29 there's people all over the map on this one I'll be interested yeah. to see what Meltzer gives it in the Observer on Friday uh, but yeah it very much seems like a Marmite match I think we can all agree again it was at the low end of what I, what, what I was hoping for but I did still like it uh, but I, I do think yeah it's a it's an interesting assessment of, of whether uh, whether MJF is you know ready for this position and what mm. we can maybe expect from him going forward. And it's genuine pressure and scrutiny on him for really the first time in his career. So it's mm. going to be interesting how he reacts to it because it'd be all very well kicking off as a heel online and the rest of it. And he's good at that. But that and he is. Um, but then you're going to get a load of people going, you can't work. 
Yeah. You can just do heel stuff like this, but you can't that's work. It's a bit out of order. I know that's out of order. That. I know yeah. that's out of order, but that's the kind of element of, of where this goes. But I think there's an element of, of sort of scrutiny and hopefully he'll go back and actually learn from this. That's the that's the major thing. Does he pick up from it? Should we cancel MJF having a shit match? Well <laughs> cancel Cancel him for throwing the beard in that lad's face or knocking the hat off. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He does get away with some stuff, doesn't he? He does, doesn't he? Um, but next up, I suppose, is the heel I think we can all get behind. Our, uh, Pac against Orange Cassidy. I thought oh, this was... Sorry. A, oh, go on. This was something. This no, was, you... This was... Uh, I, I did feel like the commentary kind of brought it down in parts for me. I, I did feel like the... Jay, I was just trying really hard to sound like he liked it when, to me, I'm just listening and you fucking hate this stuff. Yeah, I can, I can tell you're lying to me, baby, is my point. But as a match, like, I thought, like, but Pac, what a fucking pro wrestler he is. Like, he played along with Orange Cassidy's shit. And your mileage might vary on Orange Cassidy's shit. I don't mind it. Uh, there were times where, remember that Mania Weekend, JP, when he was on every second show that we watched? <laughs> and I was sick to the back teeth of the fucker. I do think they've used him well on TV, though, at AEW. But I think Pac was just brilliant at, like... Playing along with it to a point, you know, the point where they were they were kicking each other and Pac was kind of playing into the, the comedy elements of the match. But I tell you what, Pac went in there, did that with Orange Cassidy and walked out with his head held high, having lost nothing, still a credible heel. Like, what a worker that man is. And yeah, I thought this was, the like I said earlier, the ideal match that should have followed the tag match because it could have followed anything on this show. And it was just a really nice, easy to watch match that emphasised... Orange Cassidy's, you know, minimal strengths, depending on how harsh you want to be on him. And just for me, make clear just how good Pac is and how lucky we are to have him uh, as a heel. Yep, completely mirror that as well. The way, if you think of it in terms of when this match was announced and you were like thinking, oh, right. And my immediate thought, like you, was, oh, Jesus, it's one of these matches again. And I saw probably six of them last April, <laughs> like over three days. One with Brian oh. Bloody Alvarez. Oh God, yeah. And you're just like, oh, it's going to be this again. And and that's and that's where we're coming from it. But we're obviously in the the kind of uber hardcore kind of element of this. But the way that Pack was during this match, it was it was an absolute fucking masterclass. Joe mentioned early on about the couple of weeks Omega's had. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Pack. Coming from that Iron Man match to this, in terms of two entirely different types of matches, absolutely succeeding. His facial expressions in the crowd, his looks of disgust. Whilst at the same time, when he was selling for Cassidy and he's pulling the shocked face as well for it, absolutely perfect. And mm. it was like a culmination of of uh, of seeing like sort of I don't know, it might be that that kind of hot indie act that's been around for sort of a long time in the music scene and they get the chance to sort of play a big show and yeah you've heard these songs before and you've seen them but it's in front of a big crowd and they're absolutely losing their shit for it and it kind of makes you feel a bit it feels it feels very nice because this is sort of fuzzy a download festival yes <laughs> that, that would work we sing, sing a lot of Judas were you as well well it wasn't out at the time oh. mate. it was more their sort of covers era still so I knew some yeah. of the covers like the Iron Maiden stuff I was like get in and I met Jericho that day as well, which was awesome. Very excited. <laughs> Mate, I saw him in the crazy house on K1. That's how far back Fuzzy got. I saw Jesus. him, uh, I saw him in uh, the Talking Heads in Southampton, and he was in Junk, the nightclub in Southampton afterwards. I, wow. I was like, Jericho doing in Junk. <laughs> this is surreal. <laughs> <laughs> but th- I thought 
you know, in terms of the way that they built up, in terms of the way Cassidy works, and it's it's just he's got this act down to the point where it's actually a lot of it's the comic timing, and it's knowing his the kind of expressions. That point where he you know where he throws him into the ropes, and he's got his hand in his pockets, and he's running the ropes, and he does the leap over, and then the drop kick, and then flips up, and the crowd absolutely lose their shit at that point, and Pack looks kind of horrified by the whole thing on the outside. It was like a perfect encapsulation of what this match is. And there's a couple of things about this. Now, obviously, I don't, you know, I think there's a limit to some of these ma- to these matches on here. However, I after this, I was kind of thinking to myself, in some ways, it's it's characters like like him and Darby Allen, but I think much more so Orange Cassidy than even Darby Allen for this, that I think has in terms of today's social media kind of climate and the kind of more ethereal way that kind of things can enter into the mainstream. Mm. This is the kind of stuff I could see connecting with that very casual audience. Tried that with your son, didn't you? I did, but he knows who bloody Orange Cassidy is. <laughs> but even at the same time, he's like, yeah, he is quite funny. <laughs> like, he, he gets he gets the joke of him being so lazy and not trying. I mean, it, it's so it's so easy to understand for it. Whether or not you like it is a different issue, but I think it's 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 obviously easy to understand as well. And I don't know. And I think this is something for younger audiences. I don't necessarily mm. think it's for us. Well, I, 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 it's I gonna... think it can cross over definitely. Yeah. But no, I think it's I think it's for the entire audience. It's like a, a break point match, isn't it? It's like a match we said earlier. Yeah. That can probably go over anywhere in the card. Yeah. Um, mm. And uh, it's it's almost like you know you're going to get something different out of this match, mm-hmm. um, and you want Orange Cassidy to offer that. You don't ever want this to go really beyond that. Mm. And maybe there is a story they can tell where it goes beyond that at some mm. point. I don't know, but I think Pack as well. Fuck me, he's going to get anyone over, really, and making anyone look good. Yeah. yeah, like the amount of guys in the last year or so that he's made look great and got them to the next level. Like you think, I don't think Car Noir would have been anywhere near the success he's been in Brit Rest if it wasn't for that Riptide match and then Riptide putting that out for free on their um, YouTube. You look at the Michael Oku match as well. You look at the way Oku's got over as a result of that match, the way he's improved as a wrestler. You look at Ben Kay in Dragon Gate as well. And now you look at Orange Cassidy, of all mm. people. Like Adam Page, to some degree, you can argue. And I think Page got over a bit more afterwards. But yeah, Packers. He's proven himself this year, hasn't he? Yeah, he should, he's one of them, isn't he? I think we talked about him a few months ago, and it was like he should—he's never going to be the headline guy in this company, as far as I can tell. No. But as far as like that—that that secondary level, that upper upper guy who, when you beat him, it means something. It means you're headed onto big things. You beat Pack, it means something for for your kind of momentum and what they're going to do next with you in AEW. He's a gatekeeper essentially, and I love him in that role in AEW. They protect him just enough. I think it's, you know, obviously the, all the stuff with the Dragon Gate belt is now behind us. Uh, and I think he, he protects himself. And he, he is, you know, he's a pro's pro and he's perfect for that role. He's perfect for those semi-main events where you can have a you can have a great match and then whoever he's in there can move on to bigger things. I think he's a really good, good guy to have at the top of these AW, near the top of these AW cards. Do you know what, do you know what I think I could, I could see him being great at in AEW if they want to do it? Mm. They introduce a secondary title. Yeah. I think he'd be an absolutely great, like, sort of intercontinental champion that makes the belt really valuable and has really good sort of matches just before the main event that feel really important and that you know are always going to deliver. I think he'd be great in that sort of role. 
Definitely, definitely. Agreed there. Where did you give it on, on Grapple? I went 3.75. Thought I was being generous, but looking at the average, it looks uh, it looks about in, in line with what uh, everyone's been saying. Uh, this was one that uh, on the app went with 3.83 as an average. Uh, you guys anywhere near that? 3.75. I went 3.25, but I feel like I maybe underrated it a little bit. I don't know. You might have been getting over the Cody MJF match at the time. Yeah, I think yeah. I was. I was, I was <laughs> taking a shit. <laughs> How many stars would you give the shit? Uh, I've not been good recently, mate. I've been for a massive burger that day for my mate's birthday. and uh, uh, The TV was angled perfectly from where I am so I can see it. It's, it's, it's a great setup. They try it in Google after three days straight and see how your shits are, honestly. Anyhow. Oh, all I'll say is the setup that I've got to watch the TV while doing the business is a 10 out of 10 setup. <laughs> the dream. Five star. Yeah, um. five star setup. <laughs> well, I suppose we've only got one, one more place to go, the, uh, the main event, which I don't think any of us are in danger of giving five stars. Uh, this was one. I watched everything else on my travels, and I only got to see this one literally just before we recorded. I was underwhelmed. Uh, I think I feel a little bit maybe like you guys would feel about Cody MJF. I haven't actually rated that on Grapple yet. I need to have a think about that or what I'm going to give it. I love Moxley's entrance. I love them both as characters. For the most part, I love the build. I don't know. Was it match placement? Was it the way the car was structured? Was it a tired crowd? Just something about this didn't connect for me. Uh, I don't know. Give me an inkling. What did you guys give it on Grapple? And uh, it might help me with, uh, with final mind rating on this one. I like the ending. I like the characters, I like the story, mm. but yeah, I didn't feel particularly engaged by this one as a main event, sadly. I went three and a half. Yeah, I did this. as well. Um, mm. In the sense, like you, like, and I have to say, we just spoke about the entrances, that that choir entrance, God, oh, it was the polar opposite to downstate. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, loved. Moxley loved and off the, the street as well. Yeah, that was brilliant. And I like the camera work following him through. Hmm. Jericho never got anything wrong. Like, yeah, this wasn't an amazing match, but it's nah. just presentation. Has he ever got anything wrong? Oh, no, not really. In some ways, I, I, one of the notes I made on here is I'd love to see him do a stadium show just to see what he could come up with hmm. as an entrance. And so are you playing live? Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. He's singing and then getting in the ring. <laughs> Didn't Rick Flair wrecked uh, the... But the amps that time when Fozzie were playing live and raw. <laughs> oh, that was awesome before SummerSlam 2002. I was loving that. Um, I felt that in terms of this match, and this might be me, and it might be me for that Jericho main event format, but it felt like I've seen this before. Yeah. And that was the thing that I was taken away from the kind of work rate perspective. It felt like, oh, yeah, this is what he does. He builds up yeah, I thought through it. Lack of chemistry between them. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it didn't. And it, I, and I don't think I necessarily found it bad. Partly. Yeah. You know, it, it didn't. It, I didn't find myself sort of like I did with MJF Cody sort of going, I don't like this. I actively don't like this. There were just parts of it where it's like, oh, okay, this is the way that it's going with the outside interference as well. I'm all being thrown away and the the revelation and that, that his eyes find all the of The overbooking stuff I thought was all fine of, for what it was. You kind of have to do, in a way, that's the issue when you've got those Jericho main event matches that you, that you kind of have to do that. Mm. Now, I wonder with this... Um, that you know, it's an orthodox heel stable. In terms of the move of the title, like it wasn't something I was necessarily in favour of. Um, I was beforehand. really shocked. I didn't, I didn't see it coming at all. With the benefit 
now looking back on it a few days after, I'm kind of intrigued what they do as a direction because Moxley was hot and yeah. it was an element of capitalising on that. And also... I don't think he was hot, hot, though. No, no, not, like, scorching hot. Yeah, I don't think he was as hot as Cody was in October when no. he faced Jericho. But I also think in terms of matches and match quality at the top of the card, I wonder if Jericho could kind of do with a, a break, per se, from being like, you don't take him out of the mix or anything else. But you might go through an element where he gets quite depressed and he starts working tags with Sammy Guevara, say, or even a Jake. Goes back to the Jungle Boy mini. Yeah, you go, there's stuff you can do with him that'll be great entertaining TV mm. and it won't take him too far away from it. But in terms of a match perspective, we're talking about that tag match. And I and, and at, the, at the end of the night, rather like you guys, I'd have thought of, I really want to see these tag belts headlining shows. Mm. Yeah. Because so. that's your that's your match that's quality the there. The it, it felt very, uh, sorry, Ben. I was gonna say it felt very WCW. And like, you know, you get the, yeah. <laughs> the main event yeah. uh, can't keep up with the great stuff that went before it. Um mm-hmm. and yeah, you know, listen to your talk there, JP. You know, I'm in this I'm in the boat where I would have just kept it. I think there was so much mileage in the Le Champion stuff with Jericho. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have done it this soon. I, I think I'm maybe, but at the same time, I'm higher maybe than you guys on how hot Moxley's felt. Uh, you know, even if you look at things like the the ratings for his segments, the YouTube videos with him in, you know, there's something there with Moxley and I kind of get want to pull the trigger now. And maybe, you know, there's something like what you said, JP, and the, we've seen this Jericho main event style a lot. Maybe it's time for a break from it. But it did surprise me too. And yeah, I'm interested in what the reasoning is behind it. Maybe it's as simple as Jericho's off with Fozzie for a bit. I could see that happening. I don't know. There is that story that he might be touring with them sometime around. Uh, That that adds light to it. Yeah. And that, yeah, that might be the the case for that. And then Mm. he comes back from having toured with Fozzie, reinvigorated, reinvigorated, ready to jump inside the AEW main event scene. Do we all agree he gets a belt? Yeah, I think we all agree with that. I was going to say, do we all agree he gets it back? Because I think he does. I think Moxley's not a long-term champion. Yeah, I agree with that. I even wonder whether they do a TV match in the next couple of months as a rematch. Mm. Maybe he's got, you could say he's got, he's invoking a rematch clause that he signed or something. And they do a TV, a, a title change on TV. It's like a big TV moment showing that TV can be unpredictable as well. And they're not mm. scared to pull this on TV. I don't know. I, I, it's something I could see happening because I was thinking about who would Moxley's first natural opponent be. And like no one really sort of stands out for me. Is no heels at a main event level out Uh-oh. really outside of Jericho. <laughs> this really. is where I say MJF. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, fuck. <that. laughs> He's the oh. one heel who won a big match. I suppose this it- path. I just cannot see that chemistry-wise working. No. Like, get Minoru Suzuki in. <laughs> you do that. It get depends on what. Lance Archer. Ooh, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. He's, is it not? It's not next week. It's the week after. I think it's this week. Oh, Perhaps is Jeff it? Cobb makes a comeback. The big lads. Well, you talk about Luke Harper as well and stuff like that. Whether I don't or not think he's a main eventer. I no, don't know if Lance Archer's a main eventer, but I wouldn't no. mind seeing a good match. Like after that Tokyo Dome match, I'm up for a rematch at some point. I'd be. I mean, I'd be up for seeing it, but it is that's one of the issues as well. Is is about who's that next top line heel? Because it's not even like the inner circle has got that credible kind of second contender yeah, for a Swagger's title as well. Swagger's not that. Guevara's no, not 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 near that level yet at all for it so it's interesting I, I did want to say something though um i don't know if i had a chance at the point over the the weekend i was doing some stuff and i was listening to the aw official podcast and i had an interview with with ambrose on there 
And he's a lot more light-hearted, and it's it was quite a nice interview. And it was Aubrey Edwards who was hosting it. Whereas here, she's very much the Pierre Luigi Kalina of wrestling is how they're setting her up as like the immediate credible authority authoritative ref. Whereas on there, she's an entirely different person, sort of laid back and engaging and all the rest of it. And so I won't lie, I kind of want to see she should be doing the main event matches in that promotion. I think I think there's a lot I think the problem as a is USP. If the crowd carry on chanting her name and stuff, it can take mm. away from moments of the match. And I don't like that stuff. Yeah. I sort of get it to some degree. I don't think if she was playing she, up she hates it, doesn't she? If she was playing up to it, I would say that would be a problem. But she I think doesn't, the fact play, she doesn't up play up to it makes it worse because there's yeah. worse given some reaction. Yeah. But uh, this, I mean, I just think at the same time she's a great ref, and the way she threw them out, and the way she did that sort of roll up of of getting all three of them to leave the ring, and Ortiz did his funny flop onto the onto mm. the apron as well. I kind of enjoyed those moments, um, but that doesn't distract away from the fact that I haven't got an answer to your question, Benno, of who <laughs> takes on John Moxley next. I would have you would say Cody as well, but they can't do that in terms of putting him into the title picture as well. And they've done well. the pack match a couple of times. And they've done the pack match. They haven't had a lot of chemistry again either. You can't do it. He's already beaten Omega, so you can't go Omega. You would say, like, at some point, Paige. Paige is wrapped up in the tank. But he's wrapped up. Uh, and it's to too soon, and you're taking him out of that, and that'll be the jarring thing, because that's, it, you know, you've got to let this storyline play out, and you don't want to overcomplicate it I also well. think there's more um, substance in Paige, possibly beating Jericho for the mm. belt, after, like, sort of redemption for that first show, possibly. Mm-hmm. You go full circle with that. I, I don't know. I think a TV feud with Pac, and then the next, by the time we get to the next pay-per-view, you're back to Jericho. That's kind of the way I see it going, but stipulation it, match with Jericho possibly. Yeah, yeah, and you could go back man to top, maybe a four-way title match. I don't necessarily want to see that because I like the fact that yeah. every time it's been singles, and I don't really want them to go down the kind of gimmick match. Two and three ways. No, yeah, that. two ways. I think it's every match is a two-way. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I love those one-way matches. <laughs> You're wrestling with yourself. Well, that sounds like a euphemism for wanking. Man. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's when we know we've gone late into the show. When yeah. It's late, everyone. Well, it's been quite a dirty Tuesday today, hasn't it? It really has here. been. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's go dust ourselves off, clean ourselves down, and we can fight another day next week. Yeah. Indeed. Speaking of which, actually, we haven't talked about it before the show, so let's do it on air. Are we doing Tuesday next week? Am I missing the show? I'm in Germany. What's happening? You're doing Tuesday, mate. Okay. Uh, we, yeah, yeah. Sounds Tuesday, good. Tuesday's all good. Sure. I like sorting this stuff. I do the admin stuff on it. <laughs> Sounds good. Dirty Tuesdays it is. Uh, I think I think we've got a name for the show there as well. I was I was struggling there. We can call it that. There you go. Two two in one. <laughs> hey. <laughs> oh, and on that note, uh, yeah, well, like I said, we've got two and a half hours, so we probably should wrap it up here. Yeah. But any other thoughts? About one show, basically. <laughs> How do we manage that? There's a lot to talk about. There was a lot. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a blowaway show. It was a remarkable show. Yeah. And it was a show that, you know, brought up lots of discussion, conversation. And yeah. I think AEW is relevant, hot, and the kind of sort of focus of the industry right now. If yeah. So yeah. it's going to bring up that sort of conversation. If I could say, yeah, a couple of things for this as well is, do you know what? This just felt like a proper pay-per-view. It did. Yeah. It, it felt like the reason why people pay for pay-per-view. And there is no WWE card where I really have any interest in in. Well, I don't them. know if I'm going to watch WrestleMania this year. Like, yeah. To me, like I've got no interest in Brock Lesnar and Drew McIntyre. That says it all. Yeah, and you've got a crowd that 
trusts them and they seem to have at least, even though they don't get everything right and not everything's perfect, that's fine. I'm not expecting perfection when watching these cards. I'm not expecting everything to be four and four and five stars. But you've also you've got a crowd that's emotionally invested, and you've got an audience of people like us who are emotionally invested, which is kind of why we care about this yeah. in the first. But even though there's stuff that they necessarily like, you're interested. I'm, I'm interested. I'm turned on them as a result of this. It's like, no, okay, I didn't like this, but such is life. Yeah. There's no like kind of I haven't lost any faith in them as a mm. company, and the the current creative structure they've got where they have got big tone having and overseeing it as well, and you know just kind of getting those storylines just streamlined and going what's the good stuff, what works, and then going down that route. And it's if anything that system has worked much better for sort of the Bucks and Omega than it than it really has for anyone else. Put it this way, at its best, this show had a potential match of the year, Canter, and a, a five-star match uh, from you guys. And at its worst, it had you know matches that maybe didn't connect with us, but were, that were interested in seeing what the outcome is and were interested yeah. in following. And it was there was variety too. Like really, no two matches on this show felt particularly uh, alike to each other, and I appreciate that too. So yeah, all in all, go on, Gareth, give Gareth an idea. I mean, I didn't give a star rating to the main. I'll probably give it three point two five with some thoughts. But if we had to give a star rating to the show what would you give it i I, i'd still give it a a solid four maybe uh 4.25 i'd go four four yeah yeah maybe i'm low then maybe i'll say four four and a half to be funny wait and it sounds bad like as if four out of five is a criticism of the show like if every pay-per-view is four out of five there are a few shows i'd give five i'm talking wrestlemania 17 Mm. and then i can't think of any others i'm talking yeah not even wrestle kingdoms kind of hit the five star mark for that four and a half four and a half and the rest of it but but for this and it's and and i think it's again said it before this is just really an example of how good they did a job in selling me this show that in some ways because it wasn't the best show of all time i'm slightly disappointed but that's (laughs) That's the most ridiculous rationale in the world. This is a rock. And if and for anyone who hasn't seen it, the tag. Watch the tag. Watch it again. Watch it again afterwards. JP, if you you hadn't seen it and you did want to see it, is there a link somewhere you could click that could maybe Well <laughs> Yes, yes there is. If you go to the bottom of the app and you wanna you wanna get the replay of, of, of this show, if you just go to the bottom of the grapple app. Uh, and you can click on there, and there's a link that takes you directly to uh, to the homepage. There you go. Got a hearty plug in as well. And yeah, yeah. thanks again to everyone who has used that link. Uh, and it is appreciated. And Gareth sends his, uh, his thanks as well for uh, the people out there uh, support and grapple. Uh, but yeah, if you haven't, definitely you can click that link still at, uh, and watch the show. Uh, but yeah, what a sh- what a, what an interesting show it was to discuss. Uh, obviously, we'll be back next week to talk the fallout from it, to talk the AW's TV this week. I'm banging to that, uh, to Moxley uh, and Darby Allen as a tag team against Jericho and Sammy Guevara. Love that. Uh, I love a good uh, pay-per-view fallout tag. That should be fun. I'll be at WXW this weekend. Uh, I'll be doing a preview of that with Jamesy on uh, this week's BWE this Friday uh, as I'll be flying out. So you can check that out and we'll be talking a little bit about that next week too. Uh, But yeah, we'll also be talking all the uh, the goings on in wrestling. There's a big AAA pay-per-view JP for you to watch next Saturday. So add that to your homework with the the Katana show. Maybe UFC show as well. Oh, there you go. 
plenty to discuss. So, yeah, plenty of people to look forward to there. But, yeah, we'll be back, as we said. On oh, Elimination Chamber. You is can it? watch that in Germany as well, yeah. Oh, uh, it's not sake. the fast lane to WrestleMania, though, is it? <laughs> <laughs> if there's no shame at man, no buys from me on the uh, on the watching paper views yeah. out of Germany. That's the thing that WrestleMania is missing this year is a bit of shame. Do you reckon he's <laughs> going to get in there for a, for a match? He should do. He could save it. If they want that big pay-per-view money, get Shane out there. Yeah. I'll put him in there with Goldberg at this point. <laughs> Fucking love that. I'll be banging to that. Do you know I put him in there with? Think. He loves a bit of MMA. He loves throwing his strikes around. Let Riddle humble him. Oh, <laughs> I think you say Kane Velasquez. I thought you were going moment. Brock, but I'll take all of them options. Oh, yeah. I do. Riddle versus Shane. That's a dream match. Oh, I bet, I bet dr- Shane loves a, to quote you, JP, at Bifta. <laughs> oh, you know, he's the cool millionaire son, isn't he? You know he does. Him and, I mean, I'm oh, yeah. Uh, but anyway, maybe we'll talk that. Maybe we'll talk some elevation chamber. But we'll be back again next Tuesday night. Bye. Are you ready to meet the moment? Ozzy and our friends at Chevrolet are proud to present Real Talk, Real Change to help foster racial equality in America. And we're inviting you to help. Join me, Carlos Watson, as I talk with key leaders from across the country about racial disparities in America's healthcare system. Look for The Carlos Watson Show and Real Talk, Real Change on YouTube and subscribe. Or download The Carlos Watson Show wherever you get your podcasts.